I'm Dustin Zahn, and this is Trainwrecks. It's the first official episode, and it's a podcast about the electronic music industry with a strong emphasis on the techno and house community. I realize that sounds a little douchey when I say it out loud, but bear with me. I think I've got a lot to say, as do my guests. This week's guest, it's Drum Cell and Truncate. Together they tour as Cell Injection. They're both based out of Los Angeles, and they're part of the Droid Behavior Collective. I've known these guys for a long time. I think I met Mo about uh, in 2003, so that's about 12 years ago. And I met David a little while after, but I've known him for about 10 years as well. Since then, we've all been on each other's labels. David has the Truncate label, obviously. Mo is in charge of Droid, and I have Enemy Records. If you're interested, go back and dig up some of the old back catalog. Uh, some of our stuff sounds a bit dated. Some of it's still pretty awesome. Over the years, these guys have went on to become very reputable techno acts in America, and since then, Europe, Asia, South America, and more. These days, David's here in Berlin on a regular basis, and I see him almost weekly. We've become tight friends since then. Even though Mo is staying closer to home these days, he's got a wife, he still tours Europe regularly, and I get to see him, and that's always good times. Uh, you know, when I get these two guys together, as you'll see in the podcast, it's like good friends just hanging out, uh, picking up immediately where they left off. I think a lot of us have one or two or more people like that that we can identify with. Since they're both from L.A. and they tour together, getting them together in the same room is not exactly a miracle. But convincing Mo to get drunk is. Another miracle is recording the conversation. So this episode's kind of a rarity, and I think it'd be a surprise for even some of their closest friends. One other thing I could say about the episode is that it lasted about three hours. Uh, the recording ended a little over two hours in, which is probably a good thing because if it would have went on, I don't know if we'd still have a career anymore. Uh, we got pretty hammered. Uh, some of it's pretty hilarious and completely stupid. Other parts of it are very interesting. Um, we discuss a lot of things from the future of cell injection, our own solo releases, the state of U.S. techno, some of our favorite DJs and American junk food, uh, and we also went on the internet and answered a bunch of questions. Some of them, those are pretty nerdy about gear, so if, if that's not your thing, feel free to fast forward, but uh, I hope you enjoy the show. Let me know what you think, and I'm sure these guys will be back on again. We had a blast. Here we go. We can just drink Drake out of the bottle, man. Just start taking mm. some shots. I'll do it if you do it. I'll do a shot if you do a shot. Oh, <laughs> oh no. David, you want one? I guess I have to. <laughs> One's not going to be enough. We'll have to like pound two. I'm just not a big here. fan of vodka straight, man. This is actually like water. No, I, everyone says that. It all tastes the same to me. What's your Wi-Fi password anyways? This is recording right now. It's... What kind of Russian standard? Platinum. Well, Jeez. cheers, guys. All right. Here's uh, liquid courage to loosen up our tongue. Uh oh, I'm going to need a chaser with this. A chaser. That wasn't 
Oh, that is gross. That, that wasn't, wasn't so uh, bad. <laughs> Ooh, that's the last shot I'm doing. <laughs> I just can't do vodka. So Stuttgart, that's where you were this weekend. Lehman, or how do you say it? Lehman, Lehman. I don't know, but it was fun. So it was you guys and um, Luis Flores. Did you did you do a cell injection site or was it separate? Separate, separate. Good crowd. I think we had a pretty good crowd. Yeah, it was they fun. Were pretty live. I don't know. I mean, I, I personally have never had a bad gig at Lehman Club myself. The system, especially the booth there, is incredible. I mean, dude, on the couch, when it's, you're sitting it's on almost couch. too much, man. Yeah. You know, it's just everything. You know those sets where you play at, and sometimes the gear starts rumbling off the damn table, oh, and no, you got to gap tape it. It feels like that's what's going to happen, but nothing's not. taken off. And yeah, it's actually quite solid. What is a is it DB Martin that's in there, or there's some I forget. It's a German company actually. Where uh, I'm not. I thought it was Function One. No, it's not. It's um, they were telling me about it, and I wasn't really paying attention. But basically, it's the showroom for this system. That it's a German company, and mm. you know they kind of come in there and you know. Showing a customer. Respective clients, yeah. That's cool. And that's why it's kind of just all balls out there. Nice. But no, it's always good club. And, you know, of course, Rafa's cool and Basti, and they always have good lineups. So. Yeah, Basti's great. Yeah, he's a good Funny guy. Dude. Funny dude. So, well, you guys played separate. Um, how often do you guys do cell injection sets on? I think we did quite a few this year. Yeah, it seemed more than the up. last couple years i think yeah it definitely stepped up this year more than in the past yeah it's weird like i i don't know why because we haven't put out a record in a really long time mm-hmm. maybe because it's that special thing i guess i don't know it's i just i love i love doing them but i think it's weird that we get requests considering we haven't done jack <laughs> well yeah that, that's that's what i was kind of curious about because i mean i see you guys all the time and i know you're doing them here and there and whatnot but it's like I don't know if it's something that you guys are actively pushing for or it's something that people ask or if it's a bit of both or... I don't uh, know. I think we get a lot of requests for it, actually. But we're not really pushing it. I don't think we particularly put... I mean, for the last few years, we've uh, been talking quite a bit about... uh, doing another cell injection record (laughs) we've talked (laughs) yeah but is it i know you guys like were gonna try and start on stuff but did anything even materialize really or i don't know we could sit here and explain the routine of what happens every time we try to get oh gee we probably should that's that's (laughs) a great story of what happens i mean it it usually the thing is is david is generally a morning person and i'm like usually a night person so our time schedules are completely different you know he wakes up super early and gets Mm -hmm. in the studio first thing and i usually work until the sun comes up yeah so we try to meet in the middle and it usually is like early evening he'll call me and be like i'm coming down and then we're like okay well let's go get some food first (laughs) We'll go out to dinner and we'll eat a ton of food and then we'll just end up coming back to the house and just passing out. <laughs> Every time. Goes, but it's just like, what happened? I thought we were to work on music. I'm like, I'm tired, dude. I'm just like, fuck it, man. Well, that, then you got to do it here because it seems like you're more on a night schedule here. It does, but like, I've, it's, it's hard for me to work when I'm not in my studio. Like yeah. at Moe's, I'm used to his place, so I know I could work there, but... Anywhere else, I just it feels it doesn't feel comfortable, you know. Just like you like to be in your own environment, I think. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, that's it, what I think. It always is a little <clears throat> weird when you go to other people's studios and they're like, okay, now now let's make the record. Let's do some stuff. Yeah. Sometimes it's cool. Like if you're just jamming out, you can get cool shit. Like if I go around the corner and Andres, we yeah. can get really cool stuff jamming out. But then the minute that I got to sit down and do arrangements or mix downs, yes, uh, I just kind of freeze up like I'm on the spot or something. Yeah. So yeah, you don't know the room, you don't know how it sounds, and you're just kind of yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Yeah, well, we'll get around to it eventually. So, I mean, we've got well, to do we've, something. We've had, we've had ideas written down. We've, like, he's recorded some modular patches. I've recorded drums and some sequences. It just getting together is the difficult part. And, like, not getting together, but actually getting together in the studio. What was funny is that, like, we had been on total traveling schedules, like different schedules for a long time. So being even in the same city was like really uh, difficult. That's true. But we actually had the whole summer like home. Yeah, <laughs> I was home for a month in July. <laughs> we did nothing. Yeah. yeah. But we hung out a lot. We did. We went. We did a lot of shit. But the last thing we ever did was get in the studio and work on stuff. Well, you sometimes you hit me up. Yourself, though, you know, he would hit me up. Yo, we get in the studio this week. I'm like, yeah, we should. It never happens. Yeah. yeah. Just end up at a bar, giving <laughs> drinks. <laughs> So, I mean, there was only the one record on Droid, right? Or was there two of them? There was one original release that came out on Droid that sold really, really well. Yeah, I did and a remix for it, I that's think. That's right. And then just remixes. And, and then we did a ton of Cell Injection remixes together, yeah. Okay. Actually, the I think the only thing coming up that we probably should do soon is the Raiz remix that that's they right. asked for. That's right. And We actually was, already started that. You, it's funny you brought that to my attention. Yeah, but I think there were... I think, Evangelist was like, yeah, you guys can turn it in before September. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Probably not. No, I got, I, got, um, I got somebody that's been waiting on me since June. So mm. uh, I got to let Simo in. So take over for a minute. <laughs> so should we go to some listener questions here? There's, there's a couple for Mo. I don't know. Because I asked on my Facebook. So, I, Are you getting a good solid Wi-Fi connection in here? Yep. All right. What was the... He's opening up a question. Already? Well, I don't know. You said to take over. Well, I just meant keep talking. Oh, okay. Well, we're just... Fuck the questions. We're just bullshitting. <laughs> All right, cool. We'll get to those. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so there was that one record that you guys did, and then the, the remix, is that for their VRV label? Is that for Droid, or...? Yeah, the one for the upcoming Rice record is for VRV. Yeah. Okay. And um, that's, like, the only thing we have planned besides trying to finish our own ep but it'll come eventually well yeah let's let's talk about uh new music at the moment i know you guys each got a bunch of solo stuff happening mm -hmm. uh mo you were kind of telling me you got a bunch of things why don't you talk about some of those yeah um there's quite a few projects coming up i uh i have a new drum cell ep coming up uh that i want to do hopefully by the time i release it sometime in october but it's so difficult, actually, to, like, promise a particular time frame for, or date for these Droid? days. No, I was going to do a solo project. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I, I don't even think it would be any associated to any particular label. I'm just going to independently release it. But uh, I don't know. With pressing plants these days and with the delays and records taking forever to get released, it's so hard to tell exactly when a record's going to get released and when it's not going to get released. But other than that, um, we have the Droid compilation coming out. Mm -hmm. 
So that is going to be a double pack vinyl record and a gateful jacket. Uh, negative number two. Negative right? number two. Because a lot of people don't know, but the very first Droid release that we ever released was a compilation. And it was called Negative One. It was never released digitally, and it was never released on vinyl. <laughs> I think it came out only on CD. Wait, was it, isn't it on iTunes? I don't, is it on iTunes? I don't I think don't so. I'll have to go back and check. But, I mean, it had a lot of great records. Hyperactive was on it. Developer was on it. You know, David did two tracks. Yeah. Um, was that 2004? Uh, earlier than that. I would earlier. say 2003. 2003. How do I not yeah. know about this? It's before. <laughs> yeah, it was like when the when the when we were first starting the idea of starting the label. Um, obviously, we didn't have enough money yet to put it out on vinyl, but we put this compilation together of just a bunch of local people who were in L.A. at the time. And the tracks still stand till today pretty well. I actually found a copy of it and was listening to it, and I was like, dude, I could totally play I still this have, today. I still have a CD copy yeah. of it. Yeah. So that, was, that compilation was called Negative One, and we thought, you know, our 15th year anniversary of Droid is coming up in November, and we figured that the best way to kind of uh, celebrate that would be to do another compilation doing the Negative Two. So... That should be out, and I'm pretty excited about that because everyone gave some really, really strong tracks for that. Yeah, a lot of good stuff, and some new guys as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Who, who else well, I mean, there? a few of the Minneapolis guys. Uh, Aaron Lichke gave yeah. me a track, and uh, Mike Ravase gave me a track as well. So not this guy with the thumbs. Shit, <laughs> it's not too late. We'll <laughs> see. I know you got plenty of weapons sitting in your back pocket. Just pass one over, man. We'll see what happens. Yeah. It does. So. You got a bunch going on. By the way, if you hear the commotion in the background, our buddy Simo just came by and he's, he came with the booze. So if you hear some clanking now around, we're, we're making mixing some drinks and shots and <laughs> shit. Uh, you just sent me the new truncate this week. Yeah, number 12. Finally finally put it together. Took you a while, <laughs> took yeah. Took me a while. I've just been, I don't know, this is actually the first truncate record, solo record this year. So I'm like real behind schedule. Generally, I would put out about four truncate records a year and all i did was the remix ep with you in pair mm -hmm. and yeah this one that's it so i'm real behind schedule but i think with the touring and everything i just kind of not been in the studio as much as i want to be mm -hmm. but it's coming out i sent the masters to get mastered and i'm hoping for it to be out in like october i think that's what dietrich said He's hoping he can get it all back to hoping is the key word for pretty yeah, much everything that we're doing yeah. right now. But you never know. I mean, sometimes you, you know, I, I talked to uh, Kevin and Bivalent the other day, and yeah. he was telling me that some one of the distributors or plants told him that there was a seven month wait. Yeah. And he said there was other times where, and I've had it too, where the releases get pushed up. You know, this week uh, I got this new record out that is like an enemy versus art split release mm -hmm. thing. And that's a dope record. I thought it was going to be out in September and, uh, it was pushed up an entire month. That actually happened with your remix EP. Yeah, that Trunky. too. It was like, oh, it's going to be another three months. And then I got an email. Yo, I got copies. I was like, sweet. Yeah. So they just put it out. Well, that last hypoxia record I did took me like almost nine months to get out. Yeah, you had some nightmares with it though, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, there was tons and tons of issues with the pressing. I mean, bad dub plates came in. And we had to get a recut, and the white label sounded noisy. Had to get recut again, repressed again, but finally we got it solved. And so, I mean, shit happens. What are you gonna do? Mm -hmm. But you got more stuff like that coming, right? Yeah, certainly, 
Certainly do. I've got uh, just actually finished the second hypoxia record. I just finished uh, doing it in the studio, and it's sitting there. I haven't set a release date yet for it, but I'm incredibly happy with it. Word up. And then how about you? you get, you're always doing a million remixes. You got any of those coming? Yeah. Um, I well, just, you got one for me, supposedly. Yeah. <laughs> What's up with that one? Still waiting to hear back on the news, you know? <laughs> I've been playing it, and it's been working pretty good. It, yeah. I mean, it works really well. So. Yeah, you played that last night in, yeah. in Stuttgart, too. It was killer. Yeah. It was sounded solid, great. Man. Um, I did a remix for BS1 for Slomi Aber. Is that how mm-hmm. you say his name? I don't know, but I'll, I'll go with it. Yeah. <laughs> I did one for him. Um, I'm not sure the release date on that. And, um, well, on the originals side as well, there's that 50 weapons thing that's coming out at the end of the year, which I'm kind of excited about. Do you have any details that you can talk about on that or not really? Um, They're kind of, I think they've already said, they haven't said all the artists, but um, they're doing like the whole last 10 records in a box set that are going to be available, I think 10 inch vinyl. Okay. And each record has, I think, two tracks on it. And I th- I'm not sure what else I can say. Like one from each artist or something. Yeah, okay. exactly. The main They did like a trailer for it. They released a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. And they're doing a Manchester warehouse project thing, uh, 50 Weapons Night, that I'll be playing at in November, which sounds awesome. pretty sweet. And uh, yeah, that's pretty exciting. Kind of sucks that they're closing the label, but... We'll see what happens. Well, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of good to end on a high note. Um, Carl O'Connor is really good for that, you know, with Downwards and Sandwell District and yeah. stuff like that. You know, he's just kind of like, why would you kill it when it fades out? And that's kind of true because there's a lot of classic labels where you get the promo now where you see it and you're like, oh, oh my God, why the hell are they still around? You know what I mean? And it's kind of sad because... I know so quite much. a few. I don't want to say the names. Yeah, but. I'm not going to say it on there, but, you know, like... <laughs> Labels that kind of changed your childhood sort of thing, yep. and nowadays it's just embarrassingly like, what bad. What the hell happened? Yeah. But, you know, that's part of it. Whatever. It seems it's kind of interesting. There's a huge resurgence of the 90s in, like, the last Certainly. 18 months. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether it's uh, pop music or especially in electronic, you got Aphex Twin. Mm-hmm. And I think... Even guys that are coming back. Yeah. <laughs> Old school You know, artists. techno guys, yeah. house guys, you name it. It's It's pretty wild. I mean... At first, you're just like, oh, I hope uh, so-and-so comes back. And now it's almost expected. But, yeah. but would you think that they're just jumping on a bandwagon or they, they generally, genuinely want to come back and make music? Or I think it's a like, midlife crisis. Think? <laughs> I, think, I think they're like, ooh, techno's cool again. I got to start making some money. Well, nah, I think it's a cycle, man. I it's mean, we've seen this happen. Like you, you have these guys who make a particular sound and their sound tends to fade out of fashion, so to speak. Well, that's a good you know, point. everyone's on this whole new thing, and they never want to compromise their art so that they don't do it. They don't have to change with the crowd, and then I think eventually a cycle happens where their sound actually ends up coming back, and then they become relevant again. That's so true. then they kind of well resurface put. in a way, you know. Very well put. Yeah, I mean, like uh, you know, on the, on the next <clears throat> release for my label, I got Steve Bicknell doing a remix, and he's a guy that oh, like dude, made so many classic music. records, and then in the past year or two everybody started pulling them out again and i guess that was the same thing with hmc and some of these other guys that you know all of a sudden they're playing the shit out of the tracks like carl craig you know 10 years ago i mean he was still big but it wasn't until luciano and ricardo and those guys started breaking out his tracks into bees all the time and now he's like 
his career is at an all-time high. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And but he never really faded out. I'm not think. saying that he faded no. out. I'm just saying it's like he got a whole new demographic that appealed oh, right, to him. Right, yeah. You know, years after he was, because I mean, he was massive even in the '90s. But there was still a lot of people that obviously didn't know him until Tell he broke into that crowd. Yeah. So I, I was just thinking to myself right now while we're recording this. I wonder. There's probably a lot of people who might be listening to this who don't know the difference between each of our voices. <laughs> so for all they know, we could be completely different. I'm Drum Cell. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm Dustin Zahn. Yeah, well, my voice is pretty... I don't even know why I have a podcast because it's a pretty <laughs> terrible voice, but whatever. I'm going with it. Are you pouring shots now? I am. Why not? We actually have oh, stuff geez. to make mixed drinks, but I'll do a shot. No, we just might as well more. do a shot. We'll get to the point. David, just are you going to do one? Cut the bullshit. I might as well. Simo, <laughs> do you want one? Of course. Hey, someone get the other uh, cup that's on the shelf. I'll get it. Fuck it. I mean, the more shots we pour, the faster we'll start getting to the more entertaining stuff. And people could just skip along. Fast forward. Well, yeah, I mean, some of the, the episodes that I did recently... They got kind of long, like two hours, but reality is, just like DJ sets, it was kind of, it didn't really get going until like 45 minutes to an hour in, you're comfortable and you forget that the mic's there and you're just kind of talking about whatever. Here you go. Thank you. Cheers. Prost. Cheers, guys. Prost. 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 Cheers. Oh, God. Oh, oh. Ugh. <laughs> So it's kind of crazy because uh, like rubbing alcohol. It does. <laughs> I yeah. thought it. I remember it being smoother. I don't know why I bought it. I don't know that I do it again. Anyway, it's a Russian standard. It's kind of nice. Uh, you know, it's half past the hour. Forty-five yeah. degrees outside. No, um, we're kind of yeah. hanging out in my place. I'm doing all the the interviews in Should my do a traffic update. Yeah, on well, in, in LA, it's always full. So. In Berlin, it's kind of a disaster, too. Nobody really owns a car here. Everybody walks, takes the train, bikes. But if you actually ever have to drive, like I'll do the drive now or the car to go <clears> things, it's a fucking nightmare. Parking's the worst thing ever. Yeah, We hit traffic that. coming here on the taxi. We did. There's quite a bit of traffic. Our taxi cab driver was driving on the wrong side of the road. And yeah, was he like was like totally cutting in front of people. <laughs> I was like hollering at him like go man Mo was like slapping inside the car I was like that's what I'm talking about that's what I'm talking about man get your hustle on he's like he's an aggressive driver <laughs> yeah I mean it depends some of, the, some of the taxi drivers here actually one of the craziest uh, taxi stories I've ever had was right here in Berlin I was coming home with a couple friends one night from John Muir and this is when I was living with Tim Xavier we were driving down the street and a taxi driver pulls up um, over in Friedrichshain and there's this guy that kind of walks out in front of him and it's kind of like you know just in the headlights and the guy flips him off and they start swearing each other in german a little bit next thing i know the taxi driver gets out of the car goes in front of the car and starts beating the shit out of this guy in the street i'm just like what the hell and i'm looking at tim we're like is this for real so we get out and we're like trying to fight these two other guys off like Mm -hmm. to get them off of each other and this other taxi driver stops like traffic is stopped in the street (laughs) and everything is just fucking chaos and finally we're we're like holding the guy off we're like dude chill out chill out pat him on the back like get in the car uh, everything's gonna be all right. He's in the car and he's just fucking sweating bullets, kind of screaming <laughs> to himself. And then when we finally get to the house, we try to pay him and give him a little extra because you know he's just and he's just like, no, no, I'm not taking your money. This is embarrassing. <laughs> but I'm, I've never seen anything like it, dude. Whoa, who was so, the crazy dude? 
Was he just that's a, a good question it was i just mean some random dude huh who was more crazy yeah, it was just a random guy like the the taxi driver wanted to go and the guy in the street was like fuck you i'm walking and uh oh i goodness. mean realistically the taxi driver had the the right of way but right. yeah <laughs> yeah this one time the first not what's well, not the first time i went to new york but one of the very first few times i'd gone to new york i remember i was staying at this is when tim xavier was still living there and i remember uh Tim was like calling me and like, did you land yet? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, all right, man, as soon as you get out of, you know, the baggage claim, just go out to the door and don't take a taxi, like grab one of the, one of those drivers they are a lot cheaper and they'll bring you straight to our house, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, are you sure? And he was like, yeah, yeah, man, just do it. And there was like this shady guy who like, I don't know, resembled like John Goodman in a weird way and uh, was like totally trying to solicit rides from the airport. And I ended up getting in his car and next thing i know five or six other people started getting into the car as well and then i realized that i was in a situation where i was like in a shared taxi ride where this dude was trying to drive people from all over the city and the whole time tim's calling my phone and i'm answering it and he's like where are you man how come you're not here yet i was like i don't know man i'm still in the car i'm still in the car <laughs> and he was getting super frustrated that i wasn't at his house yet you know it was just like getting really edgy about it then finally, because at the time, Tim was living in Brooklyn, and he got on the Brooklyn Bridge and started heading over to Manhattan. And I was like, what's going on? And Tim calls me, and he's like, where are you, man? I was like, I don't know. We're on the bridge. We're going into the city. He's like, put the driver on the phone. <laughs> so I gave the phone. Tim starts yelling at this, this taxi cab driver. I don't even know what they're screaming at, but Tim's like going nuts mm -hmm. on him. And then he hands the phone back to me, and Tim's like, get out of the car. Get out of the car right now. Just open the door and get out of the car. It's like, Jesus. So I get out. I just have my luggage, and I'm sitting in the middle of the city with all my luggage, and the taxi cab driver's, like, cussing me off. I'll never forget that, man, because that dude put me through hell that day. Why did he make you get out of the taxi? <laughs> because he didn't want me to be in the car with this guy because he was driving to the city. So I had to hail another cab to go back to Brooklyn, and it ended up costing me a small fortune at the uh... end of the day. That'll happen. I actually had a similar situation the first time I ever flew for a gig. I uh, I got a New Year's gig in uh, Washington, D.C. The driver never showed up. And uh, it was, you know, this is well after. I, I arrived at like 10.30 or something at night, so it was kind of a late arrival. But, you know, by the time I finally left the airport, it was probably 12.30. Nobody showed up. And I already, I knew that I had a hotel, so I was like, screw it i'm this was i mean cell phones were around but i couldn't get a hold of anybody so i'm like i'm just gonna get a cab go to my hotel like this is a bust it's just yeah. not happening so i finally get a cab and i i point the guy to uh the address and we're driving and i finally get a a call from the uh from the promoter and they're like oh where are you i'm like i'm in a taxi i'm going to the hotel i thought shit wasn't happening he's like no 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 it is stay stay pull in somewhere and tell me where you are i'm gonna have my dad come get you okay so um you know we're waiting in this parking lot of some store for like 20 minutes all of a sudden this massive like you know two-tron pickup truck comes in and this guy gets out of the car and just starts screaming like at the taxi driver like your situation yeah. flipping out at the guy and then he goes you know he goes in the window he's like you okay son i'm like yeah i'm fine he's like is he screwing you over? Is he trying to... And I'm like, no, I, I told him to take you here. Like, I thought your kid was just going to leave me high and dry at the airport. And he just let this taxi driver have it. But he was like kind of a tough guy. And he's like, well, I'm not going to apologize to this taxi driver. It's like, get out of the car. So we paid him. And then, you know, I went and did the gig and everything was fine. But he just screamed at the taxi driver. And he was doing his job. Jesus. So... <laughs> 
But uh, wild. I don't know. Taxi taxi stories get boring. Let's switch <laughs> it up. Uh, you guys are <laughs> generally speaking. You guys are in the states a lot more than I am these days. Yeah. Um, what do you think? As in living or just playing? Both. Both. I mean, I'm. You know, I don't play in the states that often. Are you sure? I mean, yeah, you do. No, you guys. Well, you're. I mean, you're in Europe constantly, but you still are in this playing in the states once or twice a month at least, right? Roughly. Mm, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Maybe well, once a month. Bottom line is, you guys have a better opinion of or educated opinion of what's going on there than I do, because everybody always asks me like, "Well, how's it going in the states?" I'm like, I don't know. When I go to the states, I just play. I'll put New York and yeah. Minneapolis, and that's it. And I don't know. I feel like it's slowed down, at least for I me. Think it so, has. like, I could I could remember at least two years ago playing in the states constantly. Yeah. And even like Minneapolis, I would play like three or four times a year, and then mm-hmm. I haven't played in like two years. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I think it's you're right. It's it's definitely <clears throat> slowed down in general. You know, when I went to. But uh, well, we we did play a lot of North American dates this summer, though. We did San Diego, San Francisco, New York, Montreal. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I did a That's kind of a North done. America tour in July, too. And, I mean, there's things going on. Don't get me wrong, and I'm not even talking smack about North yeah. America. But I just know, like, for example, maybe, I don't know, two years ago, I did some cities that aren't necessarily the first stops, you know, like Denver and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it really improved upon what it used to be. And... uh you know, I look at the other lineups and the flyers, and they'd have. I think the quality of shows have gotten better. Yeah, the quality is definitely not, it's, it's more professional. Often, yeah, maybe not as often as we would like, but. I mean, I have a very optimistic perspective towards gigs in North America. I mean, they don't reach the level of professional that you do get in Europe and such, as far mm-hmm. as like having proper tech people there and proper sound systems, everything. Everything's kind of loosey, I think, partially because everybody doesn't really have the budgets to do things. Yeah. But there is there's a lot of pros to add to that because, from my experience, um, whenever I play shows in LA or not in LA, I mean just in general in, in the states, period. There's usually not the biggest turnouts for every one of the shows. But the turnouts that do come out end up being the most enthusiastic yeah. crowds because there is They're a fans. level of appreciation that's attached to the fact that you're there because they want techno so badly and they're not getting enough of it. Mm-hmm. So like they're the first ones that are in the front of the crowd screaming and going crazy and just sticking with you from the beginning to the end. I mean, I get that definitely in L.A. We experienced I that in San, San Francisco. San Diego, too. Yeah, and San Diego was another really? city that yeah. just blew me away. Like We... we I mean, no offense to the promoters who threw the party if they're listening to this, but I think all of us had this perspective towards San Diego as, well, let's just not set our hopes too high on this yeah. Well, it's not a necessarily a techno city. No, it's not know? at all. It couldn't be anything furthest from it. But we were, you know, if you even had a decent night and you have low expectations, then you're up for a pleasant surprise. And the night ended up being really, really good. I mean, even like the after party was epic and everything was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, people were real thankful. They're like, wow, thank you for bringing techno back to San Diego or not even back. It's like, thank you for bringing techno to San Diego. And I think I appreciate that a lot. I mean, I've played a lot of cities in Europe where, yeah, the gigs were good. The sound system was awesome. There was a lot of people. Everybody was dancing. But then when you're finished, 
there's almost this feeling of like just leaving a day job. It's like you just clocked in, you clocked out. It could out. be anybody on the deck. So yeah, it's just like, you know, like, okay, have a nice day. Bye. And you leave. And I think the reason why is because there's such a large abundance of techno constantly going on that it's just like people are just rotating in and out, in and out, Europe in and out, is in and spoiled. out, in and out. It, well, they are. I mean, it, it's a different culture. You know, in Europe, the parties are bigger. The crowds are bigger. The thing is, is they're not necessarily diehard techno heads, all of them. Some people are just going out. They want to dance or, mm-hmm. or party down or chase tail or whatever it is they want to do. And in the States... I'm not saying that's everybody, but that's why you have bigger numbers. Whereas in the States, the only people going out to techno parties are people who want to hear techno and they want to party, yeah, period. Sure. So while it's smaller, it's definitely more concentrated. Like you, People know their stuff there. They really are passionate about the DJs that they know. I mean, the only like, uh, you know, for example, here in Berlin, you get to know a lot of these people here that really know their shit. You, you add these people, there's like girls on Facebook that post uh, YouTube videos of tracks from like 1997 you know like how do you even know that you know i played that all the time 15 years ago and i haven't even thought about it yeah and so i mean there's a little bit of that here but generally speaking you know if you if you go to the netherlands it's a big market lots of great parties amazing lineups but sometimes a lot of times those people don't necessarily know who you are they're just they want to go out and have a good time and obviously if you tear it up then that kind of you leave uh, an impression exactly yeah yeah, I mean, like, you know, surprisingly, I, I played in Phoenix, Arizona hmm. in the beginning of July. And surprisingly, like, uh, I mean, I know Silent Servant and Shifted had both played there before me. And they had told me, like, the gig, the gig was really good. And I was, like, shocked because I, I, for as Phoenix. long as I can remember, I, I can never, ever think of Arizona ever having anything close to a techno scene. So I was quite intrigued by it and surprised, and I went out and played there. And I think it's been like one of the best gigs that I've played in the U.S. Really, all year. That's I was awesome. just completely blown away. And it wasn't that that it was just a great crowd and everybody was going crazy. But after the show, just walking out into the crowd and talking to everybody, you got this feeling that it was an incredibly educated crowd. That everybody really knew the music. They knew what was going on. They had their finger on the pulse of what was new and what was happening. And that it was just an untapped market that was desiring the music so much. And all it needed was somebody to bring it forward. So, like, these promoters are doing it in Arizona, and it's proper. I mean, Phoenix has been great. This last show I did totally. That's awesome. I'm I'm curious. I haven't been in Phoenix in, like, 10 years. It was like a rave. I had a request about 10 years ago, and that's about it. (laughs) But, you know, this summer I I did um, six or seven gigs across United States and Canada, and it was one of those situations where the gigs where you kind of expected a lot, they fell through, and then vice versa. The gigs, that, not that you didn't expect anything, but you didn't know what was going to happen. Those ended up being great, and um, you know, so I've had interesting results. But you were mentioning like Phoenix, you didn't really know what to expect. I had that with Houston. I mean, I've been to Houston a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, you know, we've all known Henry Chow and Sasha yeah, for recliner guys. Yeah. What, fifteen years now or something? Mm-hmm. So I mean, like, it's going there is like hanging out with friends. Yeah, I look forward to that as much as the gig. And this time around, I mean, it was it was busy, it was fun, but like I played I don't know, four hours I think or something, and it was really good. I mean, at first I wasn't really sure if it was gonna work or whatever mm-hmm. and it wasn't even necessarily that busy at first but then within the first hour like people were locked in and I started just hammering it after a while I mean the last hour I played mostly 
more housey because it was by that point everybody was just destroyed wasted <laughs> i got pretty wrecked too yeah. but i mean i was i was really happy you know and that's kind of the thing because sometimes you, you don't know what's going to happen and it, it definitely surpassed my expectations did you so. go to whataburger no <laughs> well you know i'm in the midst of my vegetarian kick so. oh that's right oh man but i don't know i kind of cheated a little bit in the states and <laughs> well it's hard not to that's the problem yeah yeah so uh, yeah i mean i guess that's kind of the point do you see it uh it has slowed down but do you see signs do you think it's just going to be in a kind of a downturn for a while or do you see it it picking up i don't know or? i don't know if i've seen it slow down I mean, some cities have slowed down more than others i i certainly don't think la has slowed down very much no la has picked up a lot actually. i mean it just shows seems to be every week bigger and bigger and bigger and there's more and more and more people going i wish i could play in la more <laughs> yeah totally. I, I mean i mean this sounds kind of like you know biased but i actually enjoy playing in la more than i do any other states well it's home because well, you can drive of it yeah. you could drive to a gig real quick yeah, totally <laughs> That's but, i mean we, we also have a big local following there too so yeah. people come out you know and, it's and, warm people cheer you on yeah totally you but, know i mean Perfect example was the cell injection gig we did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you guys had a huge rig for that, right? I mean, pretty big. Want to go into details about that a bit, or? Um. Yeah. I mean, I think me and David were kind of. Uh, we were just thinking about hell. Let's throw a show in L.A. and just like free, do it for free or for super cheap or something, you know. Um, just for fun, do it on a Thursday night and don't make a big stink about it. We don't need to like over promote it and blast people and make posters for it or anything. Just like, you know, word of mouth, tell our friends and if they want to show up, they could show up. I think we literally promoted that show like the week of the week of like yeah. the Monday before the gig, we just kind of announced it. And then Mo we figured little video <laughs> yeah. the VHS video. We thing. figured that like, you know, if we're going to do this party, let's play from the opening of the club to the closing. So we'll play the whole night. And if we have the opening to close, it's an opportunity to do something kind of special. So you're not having to set up gear after a DJ who's playing before you or anything. So it kind of left a great opportunity to do something that we've always wanted to do and was like do like an all hardware live Unplanned. synthesizer drum machine jam session. Yeah. Not, we did not even get together before the show. It was just like everything was... But we never get together before any shows. <laughs> I know, but we, you, would, you would think for doing a, what, four-hour set or five-hour yeah, set that we'd like plan it. That one. But it actually was really good. Yeah, I it was think. awesome. I had a great time. And like there was points in the set where we were just jamming out. He was on the drum machine and I was on the 303 or vice versa yeah. and looping stuff in tractor and stuff. And it was... I think I... Yeah, I mean, basically, we, we were just using Tractor to spit out a MIDI clock, and mm -hmm. all the hardware machines were just kind of sunk up to this MIDI clock coming out of Tractor, and we used Tractor just to play, like, background loops or, like, vocal samples from, like, old tracks or something, mm -hmm. you know, just, like, mashing in there, but it was, like, basically a big drum machine jam session. It was just claps and hi-hats and ride cymbals and kick drums just, like, massively, and the whole time the crowd was just going apeshit. Yeah, it was, I mean, for a Thursday night, I was like, wow, well, that's yeah, pretty awesome. That's, that's that's what surprised me the most was that we did this on the Thursday night, promoting it one week before, and the fucking venue was, was packed. ram packed. <laughs> I mean, people came out of the woodworks for it and yeah, totally it went. Awesome. Where was it at? 
Complex. We did it at this place called the Complex in LA. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a. Is that the new one? No, that no, that's Complex has been around for a while. What's the new one? Prototype. Well, pro, that yeah, that's lot six one three. Prototype is more of like a promotional thing. Uh, the venue itself, where prototypes done, is called lot six one three. Okay. Um, Complex has been around for what two or three years? I think so, about three, right? Maybe, maybe four longer. years. It's a smaller venue, but they've got a function one sound system in there, and the owner who owns it really does curate Joe, a lot of great yeah. nights. So I mean it. It, it's one of my favorite places in LA to play at. I mean, they're doing more stuff like I think like uh, Adam Bayer or Tale of Us or my no, way no, out no, 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 way no, out. no. I mean, they're you're doing... thinking like Exchange. Oh, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, of. No, yeah. no, lots. Of, I mean, uh, sorry, the complex is doing. They, they do like a lot of kind of like the synth wave, new wave, industrial okay. nights and stuff. They have like Cut Hands playing there. Is Juan and, doing his thing? Or yeah, is that and Juan's, Juan's done a few shows. nights, and uh, Mount Analog does a lot of their shows as well. They even have like a comedy club night they do there. There's a metal night as well. So I mean, they they variates in in styles and genres, but it's it's a cool space. Done the Prime shows there. Yeah, we did all the Droid Prime shows, the Thursday night Droid shows that we did. We would always do them there. And you're still doing those? Um, not so often. Not so often anymore because what we did is we ended up moving Prime to Lot Six One Three where Prototype is, and we've started doing those on Saturday nights. And it, it, the reason why is it's a much bigger venue with a bigger budget, which allows us to bring in you know yeah. better talent not, be, next? not better is not a good word to put it but you know different that you couldn't that I couldn't do on a limited before, budget or, yeah. that we could do at, at the complex but uh, I mean I love the venue so much and so does the rest of the guys so we try to get back there as soon as, as often as we can you just had uh, was it Rod Hod there? yeah I heard yeah. that was like one of the uh, epic shows of the year or something Dude, like that it was, that was, it was awesome show. man that was what July 3rd yeah, yeah. hyperactive play Joe yeah and subversive and Tony. yeah Tony subversive Open. subversive is one of the resident DJs at droid who's been kind of up and coming and he put out a few records on VRV and Rice's mm -hmm. label and the dude's a fucking killer DJ. Yeah, I've seen he's him play really a couple good. times, and he's definitely insane. knows his stuff. So, you know, he's definitely one of LA's kept secrets. So, I'm sure he people will be seeing a lot more of him. Step up, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Anything else going on in uh, LA worth mentioning? Well, there's a Detman show next month. That's right. That's We're doing Detman and Vril. Marcel. Is it Detman. Prime or Prototype? It'll well, be a Prime show. Yeah. Oh, and Vril. That's right. Yeah. That should be good. And then uh, we are hosting... Uh, Decibel. Decibel Festival. We'll be doing there, doing a droid night at Decibel Festival. And then we got Dockyard Festival coming up in uh, Amsterdam, in Amsterdam during for ADE. during ADE. I, for the first time, am going to India for a few shows. Got oh, a show yeah. in New Delhi. During that week or that month? The in week October. right before Amsterdam. Okay. Nice. So uh, I, He's I going from India straight to ADE, so that's going to yeah, be interesting. Brutal. <laughs> <laughs> I have no expectations of what India is going to be like, but I'm sure I'll just love it. Anyways. I've heard a lot of different crazy shit. So yeah. apparently, Skrillex been... is playing the same night. Yeah, that's my competition. <laughs> Skrillex is playing in the next club over, so we're gonna that's... have a battle it out. But you know him, right? Are you yeah. like, what's up, Skrill? Or what? You know, like. <laughs> well, you know, I haven't I haven't talked to him in a long time, like a really long time. I think even the last time I've talked to him was probably before he blew up. Mm -hmm. Really. Um, one of the guys who was originally doing all of the graphic design for Droid, our record label, and um, all of our flyers for the interface shows and everything, Drew Best. You know Drew. You yeah, Drew's a good guy. So Drew started uh, Smog in L.A., which was like literally the first crew on the West Coast that ever brought dubstep, dubstep. Mm -hmm. to Los Angeles. And it's not like he was bringing out the big, like kind of like typical bro-step, you know, 
Bullshit. Yeah, I mean, he was bringing out like the real like exactly. what what were they calling it at that point? Um, there's another name for it. No, there, there's names. I just the fucking I'm vodka like shots, grime. man. Like grime, 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 stuff like yeah. that, you know. But um, yeah, because I remember like when that was just starting to pop off, and yeah. I, I played what was it the sixth year anniversary yeah. or something of Droid, and I met him out there then, yeah. and it's like when Planet Mew and all those. That, yeah, that was really blowing like, up, and yeah. that that was when he was just kind of like, yeah, it's it's happening. I mean, I give the guy a lot of props because he really, really was like one of the first dudes. I would even be as bold to say <sighs> in the states to start really bringing that stuff over and promoting mm-hmm. it, and obviously it, it's been very beneficial to him for his own career because he's kind of blown up and is now running a major like label and. Mm-hmm. traveling around but anyway Skrillex was one of his uh, was one of his uh, clients so mm-hmm. like that's where I had known him for him this was before he blew up but I haven't spoken to him since but I mean you had nice things to say it seems like everybody I talk to says he's nothing they got nothing but good things to say as far as being a nice guy and yeah, he's stuff. a super cool dude he's totally uh, like in his own world I mean you know it's easy for us as like music snobs to just like you know take someone and just talk a bunch of shit about them and be like mm-hmm. oh these people are whack and they make whack music because they're but, famous but i think yeah, but i think if you get an opportunity to meet some people and they're humble enough and they're you know you you tend to like inherit this level of empathy for them that they're just humans and they're cool people yeah i mean that's it's really easy to dismiss people based on the music yeah. they make or whatever they're wearing or their hairstyles or whatnot but yeah. i was uh I played a festival in Holland this summer, and there was, uh, I don't remember, uh, no, I don't even remember the name, but they were one of those kind of like, in the States, they tour the festival circuit doing like the, somewhere between Pretty Lights and Bass Nectar, like mm. the bass music thing, yeah. and uh, I mean, the music was terrible, but they were super nice guys, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm sure people talk shit about them left and right, you know what I mean? And Well, I'll give you an example. I somehow found myself in Malibu at a really big house one day that ended up being the house of the guys from LMFAO. Really? <laughs> they got Malibu money. Yeah. Damn. Well, I mean, oh, yeah. The dude's, the dude's dad or dad or uncle or like, Barry Gordon for, yeah. you know. So they definitely have the Malibu money. But I hung out with those dudes in the beginning not being so clear exactly who they were or what they were doing. And I realized that those dudes were incredibly hilarious. Like I spent the entire day with them. They were making me laugh and they were just generally like really funny people to be around. Didn't you like teach them tractor or something like that? Yeah, they had a bunch of gear in the studio and they were kind of like asking questions about some stuff. So I was giving them some pointers on things and showing them how to use some stuff. But Showing them how to press play. Yeah, you had to push buttons to be a professional <laughs> button pusher. <laughs> nice. Well, but I mean, you you, uh, you worked for Native Instruments, Native Instruments for a while, right? I so did. that was kind of a... That was a regular occurrence for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I worked at Native Instruments for close to twelve years, I think, or since the kind of their beginning, more or less. Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, when I started, when I joined the company, we were only of six employees in the U.S. office, and the U.S. office had just opened as a satellite office from NI Berlin. So, uh, me and my buddy Gabe were like working tech support all alone and this is when like the DJ division for Native Instruments had just started so we were single-handedly taking all the tech support phone calls for the company like for all the DJ products so if if you had bought Tractor anywhere between the years of 2001 to 2006 and called tech support then you've probably spoken to me (laughs) (laughs) what's that beeping sound I think it's my chair 
Yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, and then I left. I left the tech support thing and kind of worked in marketing. So I was, you know, doing a lot of artist endorsement stuff and kind of meeting people and doing that kind of thing. So. And nowadays you just one-off freelancing or anything at all? Or? No, not really. I mean, I I went freelance with Native Instruments about four years ago. I kind of went to do my own thing. The work started to slow down with NI and the DJ gigs started to certainly grow up. So it was like this perfect like storm or crossover period from one company to the next. And I haven't done anything for NI in, in a while, two, three years at least. Has okay. it been that long already? Yeah. Damn. Time's flying, man. Well, um, David just poured some shots, so uh, <laughs> yeah. if you can take a minute break here, we're going to have a shot, and then, uh, I don't know, should we, we, uh, should we let's get into this? some questions after should this. Should we promote huh? this vodka or brand or no, something? No, the vodka's or? not even any good. I don't. I don't, nobody <laughs> even here drinks vodka. I've never bought a vodka shop for any of us here, ever. Oh. <sighs> All right. Now we're partying. So, I don't know if anybody realizes this, but it's not even 6 p.m. on Monday. Sweet. And we're sitting indoors on a beautiful day, drinking, drinking. shots and It's a nice sunny you. day in Berlin. It's about, what, I don't know, Celsius, what, 27? Just make up numbers. Let's say 27. It could be more. Simo? <laughs> when people Simo's say the, like, Simo's the German. Yeah. What would you say it is today, Simo? Yeah, probably 27. 27. Yeah. Nice day like, out. You know, like, oh, it's supposed to be 32 tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, really? But I don't know what the fuck they're talking about, you know? Like, like what the hell is 32? You know, living, living here in Europe, I'm really starting to appreciate the metric system, except for temperature, because there's a big difference yeah. in, let's say, 30 versus 32. Yeah. Whereas in Fahrenheit, you know, <clears throat> since you're going straight up, you just like how 68 degrees versus 72 is a major difference. That's mm -hmm. like open a fucking window or put on a yeah. jacket sort of thing. And here they don't really have that kind of gradual increase. So. No. I think, what is it like? Anything above 20 here is like shorts and t-shirt weather, right? <laughs> Whereas I would have a sweater on anyway. Yeah, I love how... Um, Nobody ever returns my phone calls or messages ever. And then when we sit down and do a podcast, I literally got about 15 messages as, as we're recording. Um, because of our inability to prepare, I decided just to field questions on Facebook, and so did the other guys Yeah. Uh, of random stuff. So go first. I guess we'll just start picking at things and see what happens. Um, Shall we name the people who ask the questions or no? Just use the think? first name in case they get all weirded out. I don't want hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. No, that one kind of sucks. Um. <laughs> this is an interesting question. Someone asked me, why does the age-old saying about corn go knee-high by July? I've certainly seen corn higher than knee-high in July. What in the world? Is that some, <laughs> I'll tell you what. That's so I got... Uh, that's I don't know Midwestern anything about shit. that. I don't know anything about corn. But I went to uh, even further 2001 where I was out in a cornfield <laughs> next to a biker bar that also had strippers. Dude. Perfect. That party blew my mind. <laughs> like, it was unbelievable. And that corn was taller than me. I got lost in the cornfields for about two hours. Granted, I was wasted. But we were just walking around laughing our ass off. And I mean, 
I don't know. It's that's that's one thing I think we missed out in the West Coast is like these farm raves. Yeah, yeah I mean desert, we had desert raves. We had desert. Desert raves. rave is way different than a farm rave. Yeah. Speaking of desert raves, how about those uh, the crazy bug infestation out at Burning oh, Man? Burning, right now? I think yeah. it's hilarious. <laughs> well, it's funny. <laughs> I feel really bad for the people, but it is our hilarious. Agent, our agent Nicole is going to be there. Is oh, she really? Hi, Nicole. She's going. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome. So we'll get a report. Apparently, they've been crawling into people's underwears and like biting they bite. people. And... Like they actually bite. Oh, it's yeah, sure. Those weren't there already. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean. Burning Man's one of those things where even up until a couple of years ago, I'm like, this is this is it for me. This is my lifelong dream. I got to go. And I know that I'm getting older because now I'm just like, fuck that. I'm not sitting in a desert for a week. I don't, I'd go off to the <laughs> desert for like a day as long as I had some water. Like, I'm just getting oh, too dear. comfortable with stuff. I, I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of cool things about Burning Man and I would really love to see it once. I just don't know that I can be dirty, hot, and miserable for a week anymore. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it myself. And you know what? Like, fuck Bernie Man. We got Berghain. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't need to. And you that's, be hot and sweaty yeah. in, in a the, if, comfortable if you, Yeah, exactly. And it's only about 10 minutes away. It cost me 10 <laughs> bucks to get to. I could just foresee any burners who are listening to this podcast just boiling. They just don't know. They don't know how special it is. <laughs> I'm sure it's great. I just don't have the patience is all. No. Like, if I could fly in through a helicopter and get like or just parachute into the motherfucker and then like hang out <laughs> well, for a could, day or two apparently you could pay to fly in to the to the actual site yeah but that's nowhere yeah, but that's near like as good as parachuting into it man oh, yeah parachuting like, but remember, i'm just saying the ease of getting what there. was that boxing match back in the 90s i think it was holyfield versus tyson or one of those where the guy parachuted into the stadium oh, into the fight while it was going that. on we gotta look that nobody up on does YouTube. that shit anymore like it's all this fear 9-11 stuff but oh, that yeah. was awesome he'd probably be arrested for being a terrorist it probably you know i thought it was great you know at the time i was only maybe eight or nine but it was still i knew like this is genius we so. got to make a video of this dustin zon's gonna parachute into burning man naked dude well, i don't know about naked but i'll parachute <laughs> into burning man burning skydiving was one of the wildest things i've ever done Oh, you've done scout? Oh, that's fucking rad. Apparently, there's a place just outside of town that does it for like 80 bucks. I'm down any day of the week. I'm not down. I'm not down. I hate heights. <laughs> I'm Simo. Simo's down. Simo's a with you. thrill seeker. Simo's yeah. always down. Simo will. He's like, let's go to the Alps. Simo will climb a mountain with you. you like, Simo will be like, I'll parachute and go snowboarding straight from that, right? Yeah, Simo, did you ever do the helicopter drop in for snowboarding or are you just climbing? No, up? but I did like parachuting once. Wow. Parachuting? Parachute and then snowboard. Yeah. Or separate parachuting. Separate. Oh, for for the future, let's do snowboarding after that. It's more James Bond that way. <laughs> James Bond. You just cut the ties and just plant on powder and just go. Um, let's look at the other questions. So. When you go when you go parrot or skydiving, don't you have to train a bit, or do they just kind of throw a backpack on you? I'll tell you the story. It takes about a minute. Yeah. Uh, let's indulge us. This was like I don't know when did I go six seven years ago my girlfriend at the time got it for me which was you know awesome because i got the ticket and i'm like i'm definitely afraid of heights yeah i'm like i don't i this is awesome i really want to do it i don't know if i can do it though i'm so scared of heights like i did a photo shoot on saturday and i went to berlin atonal i was like really hung over and he's having me stand on like two flights of stairs up like looking over it i'm just getting vertigo about to lose my shit 
So that's, you know, I, I can't handle heights. So I'm like, I don't know if I can go. And I'm like, are you going? She's like, no, I got to work. And it just happens that the day that she was working, she had like four or five of her friends that were also going to go skydiving. So I rode down with all these girls. And um, so we're, we're going, it's only like 45 minutes. You watch this video that's made in the 80s and they're trying to sell you these shirts like, you know, gift shop shirts. Like I jump out of a perfectly good plane and stuff like that. That would be perfect on everything. So is finally terrible. we get yes. in the plane and then um, I, I take off up in the air and uh, I'm there with like four or five other girls. And because I get in last, I'm next to the door. So I'm the first one out or second one out or something. And uh, the first time you go, you actually have to go tandem. Some, you're strapped to someone's okay. chest, basically. You have to go, you have to take more classes if you want to go on your own. And uh, the guy's like, all right, this is going to be kind of awkward. You got you to roll with me here. You're going to have to sit on my lap and I got to buckle you in. And I'm just like, all right. I mean, I, I, I have no problem with it. But, you know, I'm sitting with this girl. So I'm like, all right, this is a first for me. So I get buckled in. And I'm like, not just sitting on this dude's lap. But like, not only sitting on his lap, but I'm like buckled fucking tight. You know what I mean? And he's like, just hang on, you know? And I'm like, okay. And the door opens. And actually, there was a girl that went before me. She went right out. I'm with, not only am I like with a bunch of girls, but it's like my girlfriend's friend. So if I chicken out, I'm never going to hear the end of this. So I'm just like, well, fuck it. I'm going skydiving. Straddling I really on this dude's lap. <laughs> yeah. Strapped to this dude's lap right. and you know, shorts are riding up all that stuff. And, um, let's go. So I just jump out and in the thing, they basically tell you, you got to curl your legs up behind you, like by your ass and put your arms out or something. A couple things. I wasn't really listening apparently because he's like, oh shit, oh shit. And we're like kind of tumbling and flipping around a little bit. And I'm like, whoa, whoa are we okay? And then he pulls the chute open and everything's cool. He's like, yeah, 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 we're okay. But you didn't listen to anything in the videos. <laughs> and I'm like, I could barely get out of the fucking plane. You know what I mean? Uh. So bottom line. But it, when you landed, you were like, I'm going to buy that shirt. No, like I, honestly after that, <laughs> yeah, I, I bought three shirts in the, all the primary colors. But, um, it was one of those things after that, like to this day, I still kind of feel like, all right, that's one of my biggest fears. So mm. I could kind of take on anything. Sort that's of horrible. Deals. I would have never done that, man. That's would you do it when you were on like four or five girls though? <laughs> I don't think that would really sell it for me, but <laughs> <laughs> I would be perfectly would be like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> He's like, like just, I'm not getting out of this fucking plane. <laughs> just go. Just have a good time. I'll yeah. see you guys back at the airport. Oh, you're flying around. That's nice. <laughs> but we'll be like, she'll be able to get behind the cockpit and fly this plane. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, uh, Connor S., as an upcoming up, upcoming artist, how do you all network to get heard by others or get gigs? Um, I mean, hmm. that's kind of complex, really, because... It is. I mean, these days, you know... I think in the days I think in the days we were coming up, there was no SoundCloud and... Oh, no. There was, none of like, that. you literally had to mail a CD to a label or... Mm -hmm. I mean, at least from what I remember, mailing CDs to labels and going to clubs with demo tapes yeah. and, like, going try to find the promoter. Like, hey, man, I'm a DJ. And the, DJ, the promoter obviously didn't give a shit. He'd be like, oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, whatever, cool. dude. Who knows? If he obviously didn't listen to it. We're trying to raise enough money to fly out to Miami to hand out people a bunch <laughs> oh, of yeah. white label records. Or do you remember, like, <laughs> even in Detroit? I remember in Detroit really, at the festival before yeah. I even kind of got my career off the ground. Yeah. I'd walk away with, like, 35 
mix like, CDs. Yeah, those yeah. Were the and demos. I'm like, great, you're a DJ. Guess what? I'm a producer. I want gigs. I don't. I don't really yeah. need the DJ mixes, but you'd always get them. And or now, pressing acetates, like yeah, paying exactly. Twenty five, thirty dollars for an acetate. I used to like, do that. Yeah. Oh, we all did. I remember. I met you guys. Uh, I don't remember what it was like. 2002 or three where it was like 10 ravers to a hotel room and you guys had the first pressings of droid and that's right we hung out like all night basically we did i mean that that was our whole idea was just to press records and go out there and hand them out to as many people as we could because that's our only solution for for getting demos out you know but uh i don't know we were trying to kind of talking about this topic last night we were just kind of like, uh, or was it last night or in Stuttgart or something? We were just kind of reminiscing about like the old days and stuff that we used to do. And I remember for, for us in particular, it was difficult for people to listen to what we were doing because there was some sort of like automatic prejudice feeling against people from the West Coast or nobody really even thought that techno would possibly even come from Los we all Angeles. thought like, oh, SF, house music, yeah. that kind of thing. So it was difficult, first of all, to get labels to release our music and it was difficult to get gigs i mean outside the city by any means of course and i remember that just we came to the conclusion it's like fuck it why should we sit here and wait for anybody to release our music let's release it ourselves yeah and why the fuck should i wait for anyone to promote throw me or parties. i'm just gonna throw my own parties yeah mm-hmm. and that what that is like kind of like a of the foundation of what droid was it was just like it was a total diy thing we're gonna release our own records we're gonna throw our own parties we're gonna do whatever the fuck we want you had to back then. Yeah, and I, I think it's the way it is now, too. I mean, as far as labels go, like, people nowadays just like, why am I going to go to another label and I can just start my own label, which is much well, easier Well, it's nowadays. part of that, but it's also kind of part of, some of it's defeatist, too. There's like, well, nobody will release it, so I'm going to release it. And in some ways, that's True. good because you got crazy fuckers like Terrence Dixon who do their own thing and that works and then there's other people it's like well the reason nobody wanted to take the record is because it's a shitty record (laughs) so i mean it goes both ways but i mean you you had to do that like i remember you know when ian and i started abiotic which was the first label before enemy we didn't even think the reason we started our own label is because we didn't think anybody would be interested in taking our music we're just like well if we can get some gigs at raves in in wisconsin or something that would be rad it'd be cool to see your little sticker spinning around on a record you know but um so it was i wouldn't say that it was more diy back then but it was definitely you had to be out and about more like if you were throwing parties you actually had to go out with flyers yeah and do that shit you couldn't just put up a facebook event and that sucked in the midwest especially when i started throwing parties with steve in minneapolis It'd be like November. In November, Minneapolis is like uh, zero degrees Fahrenheit. That puts you at like, I don't know, minus six, seven Celsius. It's fucking cold. And you're sitting out there at bar clothes trying to convince people that just went to like a, I don't know, hip hop show to come to techno to see Magda or whatever we were booking at that time. And it's like, it was miserable. And now you just... People are like, oh, it's so hard. It's a struggle. I'm like, why? Because you put up a Facebook link? Like, because <laughs> you didn't get enough likes? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and I'm not saying that people don't try as hard, but you actually had to like leave the house and yeah, and invest I remember serious and, and money. Vidal from Raiz, you know, who's one of our partners in Droid. He was the king of hitting the streets and oh, firing yeah. parties, dude. Yeah. I mean, this dude had it narrowed down to a science. He still is the king about it, though. Like, uh, there was times when uh, when I came to do Prime, and yeah. I don't know where you were. I was I was hanging with Vidal for a couple of days, and he's like, 
oh yeah we should go hit these things up and you just walk in and like you know yeah he knew everybody he was talking you know, to everybody like you know, walk in any club and just walk yeah. in you know, just yeah they're like just rocking it but you know dude knows every mm-hmm. every bouncer every security guard every club owner of the entire city because of that you know yeah. like he just knew everyone and everything going on in the city but i mean it, it it's not like passing out flyers was beneath anybody. I mean, it was something that everyone did. I mean, oh, I everybody remember, does it, man. I, I remember even going to New York. I went to go see a collab show. I remember Speedy J and Chris Liebing played together. And this is like in the early 2000s, like maybe 2005. I don't know. Could have been earlier or after that. I can't remember. But I remember walking out of the club and seeing Dave Sumner function oh, just yeah. standing yeah, out dude. there with a stack of flyers in his hand just handing out flyers for the shows he was promoting out even in New at York the detroit at the parties he was hitting yeah. hard you know totally but i i kind of miss it because i mean it's yeah you can post up a link to a a dj show now and people would be like oh this will be great or whatever but people just post shit to post shit yeah like when you give them a flyer you can see if they have a like real reaction on their face like i remember um this was back when Marco Corolla was still good. Like in 2001, he came to Minneapolis, destroyed the place, but he only played for, I don't know, not very long. And then it was years. And then I finally booked him. And, uh, you know, it's funny because when I would pass out these flyers at the bar, people like that night when I, the first run of flyers came out, and people are like, they came out and they're like, dude, you got them. Like, holy shit, congrats. Yeah. Like you could tell like they were super excited and, um, you know, there's like a certain, you know, you could know exactly how the show is going to turn out right then and there when you're yeah. giving out the flyers. Whereas online, people are like, oh, I can't wait to be there. And then they're never going to show up. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? People just put going and then they never yeah. get that. And then they, really, they, they write you for really guest list that. and they, they even never if, show if up. If you're nice enough, they don't show up. Dude, anyway. that, that is honestly one of my biggest pet peeves. Like, I don't really get bothered by a lot of things, but the one thing that bothers me are the people who text me like five or six times a day are going to put me on the guest list tonight. Can you put me on the guest list plus two tonight? Can I be on your guest list? And then they never show show up. up. And it's never like a, it's always the same people. It's like this. (laughs) I know this dude back home who texts me every weekend for guest list to parties and I haven't seen him in a year. Yeah. (laughs) It really upsets me. I think I needed to set a rule that if you request guest list and you do not show up, you're officially banned from ever asking you for a guest list for anything ever again. I think it's a, maybe they're just trying to impress girls. They're like, yo, you want to go to this party? I know I think, somebody. I think in general, people are always just trying to set up options for the mm. night. You know, there's like... A yeah, they want to know, especially like on festival weeks, like <laughs> yeah. ADE, Miami, Detroit, whatever. They're just like, we got to get on the list for everything so that way we, we can get into anything. Go to, yeah. But not and, in LA. Not in a club. Yeah, not, when, when, LA, not when there's man. like two parties in one night and you're just like, yeah, I want to come. I want to get on the guest list. No. The thing is, is like, I'm going to, all right. So anybody that's listening right now, if you want guest list and you write on Monday or Tuesday, there's a good chance you're going to get an answer, whether it's yes or no. But if you write Saturday night, day Friday of, night, a few the hours day of, before few, the show, the time of the show while I'm freaking DJing, nope, you are not, not getting dude. into the club. I don't care who you are. Yeah, so, you know, fuck off. something to consider. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> and that means text message or Facebook. Yeah. Because the there's a lot of the Facebook ones, especially Bergheim. Oh, yeah. Bergheim yeah. guest list. If I don't know you, I'm sorry. Let's just I, say it's closed right list. now for whenever the next time it is. Anytime 
for anyone who sends a message to try to ask for guest list for Bergheim, you're not unique because yeah. I think like any time anyone plays Bergheim, any any it's random copy inbox, paste. yeah, I think it's we'll a copy get paste like twenty thing. or thirty messages from people like, "Can I be on your guest list for Bergheim?" Oh man, <laughs> oh the story, the whole story about I'm flying from another country. No, oh well, and oh I don't, I can't risk. There's you a know, there's a classic story, away. and I'm sure Zach will be pissed because he wanted you know it's it's a really good story. Zach <laughs> devious one, he gets this uh, message back in the day when he was playing at Berghain. It was for the Intervisions party. They're like, uh, this guy's like, listen, I I really like you, I respect you, and coincidentally, it's a year ago now that I met this girl at uh, Berghain, and now we're getting married. And uh, oh, you know, it would really mean a lot to me if you could put us on the list or something like that. And he's like. Well, yeah, of course. Why not? You know, that's a great story. Blah blah blah. So then he goes out to the dinner for Berghain and all the Intervisions guys are there. Dixon, um, you know, you name it. And he brings up that story, and the table kind of stops, and they're all like, "You got that email too? <laughs> like these guys just bullshit you to try and Dude, get in the door." Uh, actually, when I played Berghain one time, I got a message from some Facebook profile that had like a picture of this like super hot chick. Like, you know, like with a selfie, like posing at herself. And then you visit the page and she's got like six friends. Yeah, like, you yeah know? it's all <laughs> like bullshit. It's, and then it's like, hey, cutie, how you doing? <laughs> I really am a big fan of yours and I really want to come see you play at Berkheim. Can you please put me on the guest list? And I'm sitting here laughing at it because it's just obviously <laughs> a fake profile, you know? And then you reply like, yeah, yeah, sure. Just send me the names. And then it's like they reply with two guy names. Like, yeah. some, yeah. like some two Italian guys. You know? Igor and <laughs> Matteo or something. Wasn't wasn't there this whole thing on Craigslist about people going like, we'll get pay, me in the guest, I'll get me on the guest list, I'll pay you 100 euros. Shit, yeah. I'm like, shit, hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you on the list. Cash on that euros. shit, what? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, actually, that has nothing to do with what the question is that we were talking about. <laughs> Whatever. But that's how you get ahead in it's America. These, it's these vodka shots. Wow, that, that question <laughs> dragged out very long. Do you guys know Charlton from Minneapolis? Sounds familiar, yeah. Okay, he says Cinnamon Life or Cocoa Pebbles. Oh, uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Nope. I'm going to go with Mo Co on this one. Cocoa Pebbles. Over a cinnamon toast crunch. Oh, yes. you're tripping, dude! Stop. No, dude. no, no. You know why? Just stop, dude. You want to? You want to? You want the ex? Don't tell me about the milk. Thing. Yes. No, it's, it's not. It's the milk. It's the chocolate milk, milk ratio is no, a serious no, no, ordeal. Yeah, no, nah, dude. Cinnamon toast crunch milk is the best. You know why? Because when I pour my cereal, I don't, I don't fill my milk over the cereal, dude. You so just kind of go a little bit under. I go a little bit under, so that chocolate, all the chocolate from the Cocoa Pebbles <laughs> will dissipate into the milk, dude. Yeah, well, someday you got to eat Cinnamon Toast Crunch, but I've instead of use milk, use oh, horchata, no. man. Oh, God. That sounds way Did you too do that? Sweet. I saw you were talking about doing that. I tried it, and it blew my mind. Horchata is amazing. <laughs> it was like, you opened up a vortex. <laughs> what? It's like, what, cinnamon coconut? Or? It's rice. It's, it's rice, rice milk. milk. So you soak the rice yeah. in water so you get the milk from the rice. But and then they... you add condensed milk mm -hmm. yeah. and then cinnamon sticks. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes and it. And sugar. I get that at my uh, local taco shop in there Minneapolis. You, you can make it, it yourself. It's really easy. You can I'll also you. make I'll it if you put it. cinnamon toast crunch inside of milk. You'll instantly just get horchata. Cocoa. Good no. to know. <laughs> nope. Yeah, here in Berlin, we have muesli. Which is all right. You gotta have yogurt, but yeah, it's, it's not like it. those. Do they have cinnamon toast crunch in your in Berlin? Hell no. Hell I don't no, even. Huh? They got Trezor cereal, which is hilarious. I've actually not had affiliated that. with the club. I had that. That was. It's not bad. bad. It's I like some it. chocolatey shit. I kind of like the old man cereal. That's more like uh, healthy. 
Well, I, I don't even care that it's healthy, but you know, like grains and mm. whatnot. That's the that's the shit that I buy at home too. Yeah. I always buy that high. That's fiber that's the stuff shit. that my wife buys for me to eat. But my <laughs> my my cheating cereal would be like like Captain Crunch. Oh yeah, well actually, and like every, every time I go to the states, I get a box of peanut butter crunch combos. Like there's yeah, only too. Reese's Pieces cups, like Cookie Crisp. When when I was in the that's states, uh, in um. Oh wow, a month ago. And in in the first four days I put on seven pounds. It's just junk food. I'm like blueberry, donuts, you name it. Like let's do it. You know? Let's do it. Will there ever be drunk cell? <laughs> that's one of the questions from That's from you. <laughs> well drunk cell's well, been around. Drunk Kate. That's great. Drunk Kate, but I remember I never when, even thought about that. No, drunk no, cell. When I when I did my album release one. party, when I did the Sleep oh, Complex yeah, album, dude, that was I played I played the club from opening to close and everybody was buying me drinks, like, you know, congratulating me for my album and I certainly did turn into drunk cell before my set was over. That was amazing. So, <laughs> yes, I, I have video. You know, actually, I think, I mean, I've known, I've known Mo longer than I've known you. I've known Mo for what, 12, 13 years now. Yeah. I've seen you drunk maybe twice. Yeah. He's not a big drinker. No. Is it, but you know, when you go in, you, you, you gotta, you gotta like, go all in. You gotta go all in. Like go big or go home, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Mo, I'm actually surprised when we were in San Diego, Mo, we stayed an extra day in San Diego after our show and we did, we went brewery hopping and I was real I was proud of Mo that he went with me, considering that I'm a big beer freak. Yeah, well, you know. And he actually went with me. He's like, let's go. I'm down. And I was like, all right. Spending a lot of time on the road with David, you hear a lot about all these great beers. <laughs> and, you know, I'm sorry to say this, but I can't really tell the difference in the taste between any of them. They all seem to kind of That's, taste the same to I'm, me. It takes I'm, time, I'm trying though, to work you, know, you up man. to that, dude. And same thing for wine. Like, I, pff, I don't know the difference no, I mean, between like, a good wine and a bad wine. I got a bunch of wine right there. The thing is, is I'm, I get obsessive about things like... Three years ago, I had no interest in coffee. I had yeah. no interest in wine. I start the morning with coffee and I end it with wine. Like yeah. you start to learn these things, and I'm sure with beer, it's the same way. Yeah. Well, that, you know, like, that's true. That's what I was I getting mean, to. Is you know, he took me to all these breweries and was. And like, what did you say when you when it took those beers? You're like, holy shit! It blew me away. This I mean, is, like <laughs> beer can taste like this. No, like, it yeah. totally blew me away. I mean, th this guy's got like his knowledge of beer to a science, <laughs> and like listen to him talk with the people at the brewery about how all these beers were made made me feel like what my wife must think when i'm talking to my friends about modular synthesizers yeah. <laughs> yeah. the same way when i go like... out with david here in town we go to hoppenreich or something i'm like ah oh, yes the hops that's right yes i felt that way too. so like you know david's like breaking it down to me and it was like it was an educational process you know and he's like handing me all these beers and i'm trying them and i'm just like it was actually like for the first time i was making like a clear distinction between you know beer one beer two yeah so it definitely opened up my palate. So I have to appreciate. Thank you, dude. Yeah, hey, man, you're welcome. I mean, I appreciate you should really you take them. it seriously. Some By people, the way, Simo just poured a shot. So oh, let's Jesus. do that quick. <laughs> I don't know. What is it? Number three, four now? I think this is three. Ugh. Oh. Oh yeah. Actually, that one wasn't so bad. <laughs> but you know that that beer run in San Diego ended up with us both being Once pretty wasted. What was the taco place we went to? El Tacos Gordo. Dude, that was <laughs> insane good. Those were fucking awesome tacos, man. And I love the fact that we there was like there was a separate line for each type of meat. Yeah. And there was a what was it, Al Pastor line? Yeah. That Al was Pastor like, is the shit. Yeah. The line was like empty. 
So we got mm-hmm. in that line and we ordered El Pastor tacos and the guy and then we're like, can we get some carne asada? And I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> so there's like a big line for carne asada tacos. It's like, we dude. were like in and out before everybody. Yeah. Really. Well, there's um. Have you guys ever been to Vapiano here in Europe? No. Vapiano is like um, in the states. I guess it would be like an Olive Garden or something. Except the at first when I first came to Europe, I thought it was a cool idea, and then I realized how fucking terrible it is. Vapiano is you walk into the door. They give you like a a card that would be like equivalent to a hotel key, and you go up. There's different stations like your salad station, your pizza station, pasta, whatever you want. You say I want the ravioli with red sauce or whatever, and you tap the card on the thing. But the problem is, is it's nice when you can sit at the table with your friends and like wait for the food to come. Instead, you got to sit in line for 20 minutes, and then it takes another 10 minutes to make your food. So really, it's kind of like waiting in the cafeteria, like you're in high school or college. And then when you get the food, it's like completely average at best. So um, sounds like Sizzler. I've never been to Sizzler, but mm. yeah, it's it's terrible and. I don't know. I, I just the thing is, is it's like when you, when you brought up the taco thing, at least the guy was cool enough to give you the yeah, shit. You know course. what I mean? Because this place is, I'm just like, well, now it took me ten minutes to get the salad. Do I even want to get a pasta? <laughs> so, if you're listening, if you're in Europe, don't go to Vapiano. If you are a tourist, don't go to Vapiano. Just don't go to Vapiano. Period. No, it sucks. <laughs> so, um, there was a couple questions that were kind of actually geared towards you, Mo. Ooh. David went for a piss, so let's uh, let's focus on your questions. Sounds good. Did you have any that you on your Facebook feed? I'm still trying to find my Facebook feed. Okay, just go for it. Well, okay, this is more geared towards you because you bring out a lot of gear anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, how do you prepare for a gig? Um, yeah, basically that's the main question that's coming from Raf. How do I prepare for a gig? Well, I guess um, he doesn't. Yeah, for I guess for like a long set. Um, let's let's talk about you know what it takes to prepare for a long set. Well, I mean my my setup that I play with is kind of uh, complicated, so to speak. Um, playing both with Tractor Ableton and using Machine as a drum machine. Plus plenty of different send effects and returns and stuff like that. And essentially when I'm playing, I'm just playing like a a bunch of loops, so to speak. But I've developed this process and how I select my tracks and play them. And I've I've talked about this in various other like interviews and videos and stuff. But I, I, you know, in Tractor, you have this thing where you can import artwork for each individual record. But instead of artwork, what I do is I end up importing colors and I have different colors that associate different styles or sounds or parts that I want to use to compile a track. Because for the largest majority of my set and playing the tractor, it's usually, you know, three or four different loops playing at one given time. So all the tracks that are colored in red would be like more harder, aggressive techno stuff. The purple stuff will be more deeper and blue stuff maybe a little more groovier and housier. I don't think I really get that housey very often, but you know what I mean. I've heard so you guys you have housey. to. Yeah, I've it heard get housey. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess sometimes you have. Sorry to, to interrupt you, but would you say this is like some sort of weird like uh, what's the term? Cynthanasia or something like that? Oh, like what? What's the term? Where you see colors from sounds? What yeah, Cynthanasia, Cynthanasia, something like that. I don't know. I I just. I mean, how does blue become? Housey, for example. Or I you really, just I really that? don't have like Cold. a reason why. It just. It naturally, my brain just worked that way. 
you know, Fair instead enough. of fighting it, I just decided to go that, that direction. David. Sorry about that. Uh, so, I mean, there's not a lot of preparation in, unless it, it really comes down to selecting tracks and organizing them into individual folders. And as long as I have colors, it usually doesn't even matter which tracks I select in a set. I know which colors are going to mix with which ones and which loops are going to compile to sound mm -hmm. better this way, so and so on, so on. So it's really just like a whole like color tagging direction sure. that I do to play all my shit. And then the drum machines and everything else just is like stuff I layer on top of what I'm playing. Added elements and yeah. whatnot. I mean, I'm I'm not so far off. I don't bother with the uh, the color coding, but I do the same thing with uh, the rating scale. Yeah. yeah. So you have like one to five stars. For me, um, I did it with more more with Tractor, and now I'm using like the CDJs and vinyl. But um, I'm heavily into Record Box, and I'm I'm pretty serious about keeping it organized. And with Record Box, I use the rating scale to determine intensity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like five is obviously like balls out, just hammering it. Three is more like actually most of my tracks are three because I'm more of a deeper DJ you know groovier mm -hmm. whatnot that's kind of just middle ground four is like okay we're kind of starting to party a little bit two is warm up and one is kind of like tools and yeah. ambient and stuff so it's that way like if you get to a night where you're just not feeling the energy or you've had a few too many drinks you can just kind of look at the rating scale yeah. and be like that'll work you yeah. know what i mean that's what smart. about you david do you have any sort of I'm, methods or i'm you just actually go for it? i like your method yeah because I, you... I, I use the rating, the stars thing on CDJs, mm -hmm. but I put them as to how much I like the track. So if it gets like a five... Oh, so it's a real rating. Yeah, it's a <laughs> real rating. But I use comments. I, yeah. I, I go yeah. through every track and I use type comments. comments. And I'll be like, too. if something is deep, spacey, like yeah. everything is comments for me. But if I see a track that says deep and spacey or weird, mm -hmm. and it's a three star, then I'm like, okay, that's a good track. But I like... I don't have to play it but yeah. if i see a five star this is deep weird spacey yeah, it's yeah, gonna play get played it. yeah that's the thing like because you know when i live with tim xavier we would kind of trade music back and forth and whatnot and he was a big fan of the comment system whether it's like tech house or rolling or groovy or bomb or whatever yeah, i'm all about whatever keywords system. are like that's a great method but i don't use it and then like you know so i'm sitting there i'm having a couple of drinks playing some records and all of a sudden the, the comments thing says bomb i'm like well, I, I guess it should, I should play it because I don't use it. It says bomb, and, you know, sometimes it works out really well. But uh, <laughs> I mean, you know. I mean, obviously, bomb to him is different for you. Yeah, of course. And I'm not even, like, saying it's <laughs> good or bad, but, like, it's an interesting system. I just, I mean, I'm pretty anal about how I organize my shit. But I think if I started going the keyword route, it would be, uh, and, I mean, I got way too many tracks. And flashing. funny enough... I don't have any tracks less than three stars. If it's less than three stars, it's not on my playlist. <laughs> well, there you have it. There you go. So there you go. You Let's only got to make three-star tracks. C's get yeah. degrees. So if people yeah. send you promos, if you send me a promo, you better hope it's at least a three-star. <laughs> if, if it's two out of five, you're fucked. Yeah, dude, sorry. I use the comment sections really to describe sounds and elements more than anything. Like, I'll put chords. Or I put that too, yeah. Or fat kick drum mm -hmm. or ride symbols or something of that sort like just a, a distinct instrument that's inside that particular track <laughs> that i know that i would need at that particular moment you know <laughs> melodic yeah modular same shit like that same with well, me it's kind of interesting because um a lot of djs that weren't necessarily into the whole tractor thing but they did just 
whatever burning mm-hmm. CDs and shit in the past after records. When the record box, I think it was 2.0 came around where you could actually kind of go through mixes at home and see if yeah. it actually goes together. That was a breakthrough for them. Yeah. You know, um, like I know, for example, for Adam Bear, his sets got, um, you know, as a as a performer, they got better because he's like, dude, I can sit in my hotel room. I know which tracks go together. I know which ones don't. And, um, you know, as you know, we all were doing the tractor thing for a while. Yeah. So that for that was kind of a given for us. But there's a lot of these guys because as soon as Recordbox 2.0 came out on Twitter, they're like, man, this is game changing i think think about it and it's like really if you didn't have that it is to i think for me transitioning from tractor to record box was like super easy because i was like oh yeah this is exactly like like tractor we have the comments and the rating system and stuff well it is because it's funny like you you still haven't you're still on like all the fucking gear in the world whereas like me and david you're doing what three cdjs now too two to two two to three um you know we're doing record box in the cdjs and mm-hmm. the thing is is it's not that far off from tractor mm-hmm. like cdjs don't have the drift that vinyl does so once you like you get it on and it's you on. pit play it's pretty much on and if the guy's train wrecking it's because he's had a couple <laughs> drinks or a couple joints whatever yeah. but like normally that shit or should he just stay can't on DJ. or he can't dj <laughs> yeah. but um i mean it's real similar and uh, I, mean, I think for me is like because i was i was such a f- like a hardcore vinyl player that when this when the first like generation of cd players were in, like kind of introduced i already had built up some sort of like prejudice prejudice feelings we all against did, it man. You know, i was just yeah, like screw that when tractor came around it was funny when i was doing sets with with like final scratch i wasn't even djing full sets with final scratch it was like i was playing mostly vinyl and i used final scratch to play mm-hmm. my own tracks that i could never afford to either press on vinyl or press on dub plates. And then as like, you know, you start downloading more and more and more digital promos, then my exclusiveness to Tractor started to kind of take over. So I think I just I just jumped over and skipped the entire generation of using CDs totally. I did too. I did too. You know, but now seeing David doing it and the fact that I'm spending like 30 minutes breaking down hundreds of cables and wrapping them into two incredibly heavy boxes that I have to travel around the world with and this dude pulls out a USB stick and puts it in his headphone bag really dude. tends to piss me off. It's cheating. <laughs> I know it's cheating, but for a traveling no, DJ... I don't think it's cheating. I, I'm jealous. I mean, I wish I could do that. But for a traveling DJ, it makes sense. No, totally. Like you're, if I'm in Europe at least once a month, yeah. I'm not... I'm not gonna take a fucking bag full of gear. I've been doing that for the last four years. Having to deal with fucking airports, you know. Yeah. You know, you go through airports sometimes. Did you, especially in Amsterdam? What is it? Take out all electronics. I'm like, that's okay. everywhere. No, 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 no. I've, I've. Yeah, yeah but for us Americans, they cleared the initial thing. Once you land in Europe, yeah, you don't, don't have to go through that uh, big area anymore, which is awesome. Yeah, that is oh, awesome. That's since June. That's a game changer. Okay, that's the last time I came. Well, I'm yeah. telling you right now. Well, I'm so awesome. happy about that. <laughs> but still, I'm glad I don't have to travel with all this gear and then ho- no. the whole breakdown and ah, just... Yeah. I got to tell you, it's, it's, it, it's so yeah. fun. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to go into why I switched. You know, I've told you guys the story outside yeah. off the microphone. But the thing is, is once I finally switched, I was thinking about doing it anyway. And just, you see these pictures online with your kind of... For me, I look like my mouth's open, <clears> like I'm a Venus flytrap just staring at the screen. I'm like, yeah. I got to get off tractor. Thing about Tractor is I'm not I don't give a shit if you use vinyl if you use tracks if you use CDJs there's great ways to play in all formats. Yeah. Um, 
for me, I was just like, look, dude, I'm staring at a computer. I look like a zombie. It takes too long to set up and break down. I'm tired of getting harassed at security. So I switched. That's not for everybody. If you stick for that, stick with that, that's for you. That's great for you. But for me, it's so much fun to get back into the party. I'm looking out at the crowd, hanging out, you know, like I'll, I'll sit back and I'll have a couple sips of my drink. Like it's, it brings me back to the old days a little bit. Yeah, yeah. just like you were spinning records. Yeah. Except all your records are on a USB stick and you don't have to <laughs> change anything. I'm certainly interested in it. I, I'm definitely not against it. And I've told this to David before too that, I mean, I, I'd really love to give it a shot eventually. But it's like, it's weird. It's like, you know, when you're kind of stuck, you're stuck in a loop and you're playing gigs every weekend and then to make the commitment to jump to a new platform, you need like it's a tough. transition period to actually make it happen. And that's something I just haven't had time. See, to that's do. the thing. I jumped straight into it. I remember I got, I bought one CDJ and I was DJing with a vinyl, with one record player in my house and one CDJ. And then I had, a, um, I think my first gig was like in Lisbon, Portugal. Mm -hmm. And I did the record box thing, and I was like, I'm not taking no tractor gear. I literally traveled to Portugal with no gear, it's just scary, USB isn't sticks. It, it was scary. Balls and jumped in the fire. I did. I just put my USB <laughs> stick in, and it wasn't even the Nexus CDJs that I had. So I was like, oh shit. At home, I had a Nexus, that, yeah. which had some more features. So I just jumped into it, and after the first two mixes, I was like, this is really easy. I'm like, this is, it's really like spinning records again except you have a visual representation of what you're going to play. Mm -hmm. So after that, I was just like, I can do this, like, no problem. Yeah, I, I actually got kind of lucky because the first gig that I did without, you know, I, I did Tractor from 2007 to, man, I don't know how long I've been going on without the without Tractor now. I want to say, like, two, three years at least. Mm. And um, basically, I, I showed up to this party, and it was, it was supposed to be about 3,000 people and it was 300 and that was a gig that I was like I'm going to give this a shot and the promoter was so upset understandably because he lost a shitload of money you know that it was 300 yeah. people but um, for me it was perfect because I'm like dude I can I don't because I still don't own CDJs you know yeah. like I just kind of got to go with the feel of how it feels and um, I was able to kind of try it out in front of 300 people instead of 3,000 because I was really nervous. I'm like, yeah. I don't really know if I'm going to... This is actually before the... I think the record boxes software out was out. I'm not sure. In fact, I was just putting tracks on a drive to see if it works. And, um, yeah. you know, I got lucky, basically. Yeah. There, was, there wasn't a whole lot of people there, and it went really well. And after that, I was like, mm -hmm. I can do this. And honestly, as a guy, when I was doing vinyl, I was doing three uh, turntables. Then I went to Tractor and I was doing three or four decks roughly. So when I went to the CDJs, I was doing two for like the first three months and it was, I was kind of bored. I didn't really have my flow. It wasn't until I added the third CDJ that I was like, okay, I'm back. Like I'm doing better than I was on Tractor and uh, I'm doing exactly what I kind of envisioned. <clears throat> oh. Also, Kyle Geiger keeps texting me right now. I don't know why, <laughs> but I'm going to give a shout out to him right now. Kyle. Shout out, Kyle. Yeah, we'll have him on the show very, very soon. Oh, he'd be a great podcast. Oh, it's going to be good. <laughs> I know. You know, he's he closing Bergheim next week, so it's going to oh, be fun. Damn. I wish you were here, man. That's yeah. what I was telling you earlier. So Bummer. Yeah. Um, I got to take a piss, so why don't you guys feel the question from your... Uh, so we do, your should Facebook we do a stuff? question that's been asked from my yeah, Facebook? Yeah, you, you do yours, dude. I've had actually quite a few more. Um, who should we do? Let's see. 
Brian Black is asking. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> why the hell do we choose to stay in L.A. as opposed to Berlin? Because L.A. is the shit. <laughs> That's yeah, why. Pretty much, man. We have the best weather. We have amazing food. And, yeah. hey, if it's, it's a 10-hour flight, it's a big deal. Techno scene's not bad. Techno scene is not bad I don't know, at all. I don't think I could ever foresee myself living far away from the ocean. I mean, I do the and the ocean is a big deal. I mean, I lived by the beach my whole life, and it's Me just too. like you know, you can't really get away from it, you know. No ocean. We get like the ocean all over Europe. No, 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 no. no. no, no. I'm, talk- <laughs> I'm talking about waking up and being like, like I'm hot. I'm gonna go to the beach. I I live 15 minutes away from the ocean. I can drive to the beach, and like, and I'm I'm not talking one beach. I'm talking many beaches. <laughs> Nah, dude. I don't know, man. It's the convenience of not having to travel somewhere for a holiday to go to the beach. It's just kind of that's there. true. It's like a holiday all year round. Yeah. In L.A., it's sunny every day. Like you guys, I understand you guys enjoy your sunlight when you get it here. <laughs> yeah, we get it. You guys all year do go round. kind of crazy when the sun comes up. Everyone's so excited. We're to so be spoiled in L.A. I'm like dude. sitting there like. Who cares? <laughs> people are like, let's people are like, let's go to the park. I'm like, it's gonna be sunny in December. Like, it's, it's all right. I'm I'm not gonna miss anything. I mean, the thing is turning into Europe bashing. No, no, no. I love Europe. Uh, Europe's incredible. Love to be it's here. It's not Europe. If it was Europe bashing, I wouldn't be here. All playing. Yeah, all I love being and... here. I just I don't think I could ever like leave L. A. Permanently. But we're there's... really spoiled. That's the thing. There's we're a lot really... of like really just like how you guys are spoiled with techno shows. Yeah, right. There you go. I mean, there's a lot of, like, really crazy niche things in L.A. that I love. Like, you know, like, we're super into, like, going to really weird films. And there's, like, these, like, movie theaters the that, like, theater. like, these that just play the most, like, strangest fucked up movies that you can't even possibly imagine that anybody would ever approve a budget to make a movie this stupid. But it's incredibly entertaining to just be there anyways. I mean... You got all these like little film animation, like film festivals and like weird little niche music things, noise parties, all this stuff. So there's plenty of things to do in the city. And I don't know. I've never found myself to ever be bored or want to leave. I have an interesting question from somebody on Facebook. This guy, Rich, he says, how do you guys wind down after making techno and touring all the time? How do you switch off from all the social media noise? Pornhub. Yeah, pretty like, much. <laughs> how do you do when to call time thinking about making techno, playing a video? I guess he's basically asking, what do you do to wind down after a tour? Or that's a pretty interesting question. I think I do a lot of winding down. Mo is all about. Mo is winding the wind down, down master. Yes, dude. dude. He is. If you want to know, is Mo is a guy. So yo, take it, take it from I, here. Mo. I just, I, I need to just disconnect sometimes, and, and I have no shame in telling that to people. You know, it's like I need to just turn off my brain, tell everybody, sorry, Mo is off now. But I mean, anything. I, I watch a lot of films, a lot of movies. Go to the beach. Go to the beach. Sometimes I don't leave my house for three or four days. Yeah. So, you know, just completely lost in a cave. But yeah, the ocean is a good way. I mean, that's a pretty fucking awesome. I love to do that. As a matter of fact, I go to the beach every time I get my haircut. It's like, it's been this routine that I've done for the last 10 years of my life. I get my haircut, and the second I get my haircut, I eat at the exact same restaurant every time. And after that, I go to this little beach called Little Corona Del Mar, and I just like sit there for hours. 
Something about like just when the waves come in and the I think you went to Little Corona Del Mar. Yeah, you had a nice time. little photo yeah. of me posing on the rocks yeah. before the mermaid. <laughs> merman pop, merman. No, I mean merman. I would too. I grew up I mean, it was Lake Superior, so it's yeah. not the freaking ocean, but you know, I totally get it with the water. There's something calming about seeing a large body of water. Simo, you're a big snowboarder, you can say the same thing about the mountains like uh, expansive environments that are huge. There's something that makes you feel, I don't know, not even necessarily little in a bad way, but it changes. Yeah. It's sort of calming, sort of like puts you in a different perspective. You know, there's a thing with like astronauts. They say, uh, I forget what the effect is, but after they go up into space and then they're out there and they see the planet from afar and then they come back, like no one's ever the same. Yeah. There's a really nice article about it. And I mean, obviously none of us are astronauts. I could be, I don't know about you guys. <laughs> But the <laughs> fact of the matter is, is like once you're kind of in that environment and you see something that's bigger than you, you realize like, okay, this is all kind of bullshit. And some people get freaked out about it. Like uh, there is when I was big into Twitter, there was a count from this kid in Detroit who was like a guidance counselor that would bring kids from the city out to the woods. And he would post quotes from what the kids would say, like, out, you know, like it was the most hilarious shit. It's kind of sad, but mostly hilarious. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like, uh, the whole nature disconnect, I think, is a, a huge thing, whether you realize it or not. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I love being by the ocean. How do you disconnect? Beer. There you go. Dude, I've seen you disconnected on beer a lot of times, man. <laughs> and it's not, you know, the thing is... Drunk it. <laughs> but it's not, it's not necessarily getting drunk. That's the thing, man. Like... I just you enjoy the taste of beer. I think it's just like how people enjoy wine with their meals. Yeah, for me, it's time. just like, man, beer is amazing. There you go. You I don't know. Commercial. Dude. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Do you have a really for anybody that's a beer fan? Do you have a recommendation right now, like uh, something they got to try out? Or that's the problem is a lot of the beers that i really enjoy are only found in the states so if you're in europe or another country it's probably very difficult to find but for me it's all about ipas hoppy beers and uh if you can get your hand on some west coast ipas i would say get on that <laughs> certainly fair enough but i don't know but same same thing going to the beach Actually, my my ritual, it might sound silly, but when I get home from a tour, honestly, it sounds stupid, but I like going to IHOP. I go, I wake up in the morning. <laughs> Seriously, awesome. dude. IHOP is the International House of Pancakes for yes. you European people. It's uh, I'll, I'll come home from a tour, and I'll wake up early in the morning, and I walk to the IHOP that's right around the corner from my house. I'll get some fucking pancakes, bacon and eggs, and a fucking cup of ihop Word, coffee dude. dude that's my shit <laughs> that is the shit actually it is it's amazing that, no dude for me it's ihop every time i come back from a tour it's just like i'm going to ihop word up <laughs> i feel that man so what else we that's got probably the questions. most american thing you'd ever Tyler hear from here in berlin says would you rather have two rows of four nipples like a dog or no nipples at all jesus no Christ. nipples sounds a bit erotic in my opinion mine are kind of Wait, wait. Bigger two. than I prefer. So I'm going to go with no nips. No nips. <laughs> For sure. Uh, let's go with the real question. How many projects or tracks do you start, get finished, published in percentage from below surface? So basically, when of how many tracks you start, how many actually 
Oof. get finished and come out? For me, I would say 30%. That's pretty high. <laughs> really? 30% released or, or unfinished? Release, like from start to release. 30%. I got so many unfinished projects. It's, Dude, so it's ridiculous. That's why Are I do sample me? CDs. This guy writes so much music, it blows me away. I would no. have to imagine that out of all the shit you, re- you write and release, how much stuff is unreleased. Look at look at my computer and see what's unreleased. Dude, you must have terabytes of just music sessions. I have tons. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I have tons of them. I mean, the thing is, yeah, is like, Dustin, I mean, I you, do, you, I, I you have, have tons of the old stuff, too. too. Think about all the old Truncate stuff. They're yeah. like, when, when it was just numbered. Yeah, Truncate 1, Truncate 2, Yeah, Truncate exactly. 3, There's I like, still play a lot I'm of like, those. I'm like at Truncate over 100 right now. And Jeez. you guys probably have like bits and pieces of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I mean, the thing is, is, you know, I think everybody's like that in a way. You can't... A lot of people, I think, when they're starting out producing... They think every track that they make has to be kind of a bomb or like this yeah. is the one that finally cracks the case or whatever Just it is. Just because you produce a track doesn't mean you have to release it. That's a big, big point too. But um, I mean, yeah, you know, I write, I write a lot of music and right now I'm sitting on somewhere between 30 and 60 tracks and I really think that, I mean, ones that I like and I really think maybe 12 to 15 of them are worth putting out. The others aren't going to make the cut. Some of them I'll just play once in a while when I feel like it. And some of them I'll rip apart. Some will turn into remixes. I mean, you know, not everything needs to be out. No, no. But this actually came up in this last interview that I do with that slices thing. The guy was like, with your high output, I think just like what you're saying is like, if it's worthy of coming out, then you put it out. Right. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean if you finish something that has to come out, which I think a lot of producers think, like, I finished a track, I got to put this out. But it's just like, well, you don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to. But if, if, you, if you're really confident that it has to come out, then okay, put it out. But not, don't put it out because you finished something. Yeah, of course. That's the thing. <laughs> I mean, there's like tracks I've been after you for a while now that you're just like, oh yeah, I'll get to them, <laughs> and that that's like the the follow up to the first Truncate record. Yeah. And how long ago was the first Truncate? I want to say four years ago. 2011. Something like that. Four or five years ago. <laughs> maybe someday it'll happen. Maybe it won't. I don't know. But I mean, you know what? When it comes out, I know he'll be happy with it. Uh, yeah, I guess that's all that it'll matters. Be something that I want to put out. Exactly. Uh, Doesn't necessarily mean like yeah. Eric Ryan wants to know when the next Tool album is coming out. Oh, Jesus, man. <laughs> uh, Mo, no comment. Mo knows about that. <laughs> um, Richard Jantz, a.k.a. Poor Boy Rich from Wisconsin. He wants to know Rich. what gear are you traveling with? That's more for Mo. Uh, yeah. Favorite venues and more importantly, who put the... What the fuck? Who put the bop? In the, never mind that part. Let's talk about the gear and the venues. <laughs> Okay. Uh, what You're traveling with what for your DJ setup? Um, right now, it's pretty simple. But for 2016, I think it's changing. Um, right now, it's... You've eliminated one laptop? Yeah. Well, this actually, Stuttgart was the very first gig that I've played on one laptop in more than five or six years. You did just fine. And it seemed to work. Yeah. And I used to play with two laptops because one laptop <laughs> was running Tractor and the other laptop was running Ableton. And I also used Machine. But I've seemed to have consolidated all the software, even though it's probably harder on my CPU. I'm running 
Ableton machine and tractor all on one computer, and I did that at Stuttgart, and it worked. I don't think it's really struggling with the no, computers nowadays. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and basically, it, I use there's a couple ensembles that I built in Reactor that are, I use for effects. This kind of like weird feedback um, reverb thing that I do with the auxiliary sends and returns. So Ableton's doing that and has reactors of plug and running in it and using clip launching inside of Ableton. And this is all incredibly boring, but I'm just saying it anyways. So yeah, that's what it is. But I think for next year, I'm trying to maybe incorporate some more hardware. So instead of traveling with machine, maybe I'll be bringing on like an electron octatrack or a rhythm or something like that. Cool. Well, I'm sure that like as long as you are continuing to use a computer, you also kind of try different things and yeah. keep it fresh and interesting. Or maybe I'll just fuck it all off and buy some USB sticks and join you guys. Yeah, maybe. But I gotta say, I'm It'll using effects. <laughs> I'm using effects as well yeah. because I like the underneath mixer. But um, sometimes I just screw up a mix and I need effects to get out of it and sometimes I need to really build up the because uh, you know I play deeper tracks so if I'm gonna if I need like a crescendo of sorts I need some effects because yeah. it's but not people coming. like to hear the human element of a mistake I think Oh, there's plenty of those in mine. If, yeah. if you come out and hear me alive, there's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But you know, I, I honestly don't care. I Some mean, people Jeff, really enjoy Jeff that. Mills. I mean, actually, since he switched to Still CDJs, train, right? he's been quite good. But Jeff Mills, I've heard play oh, really yeah. terrible too. mixes. Yeah, but so it doesn't matter. Like a, you know, and this could be you'll a whole a, other podcast. You'll play a terrible mix, but it will be amazing tracks. One exactly. I mean, he's still incredible, anyways. Though mm-hmm. exactly, um, the master Nikki, Midwest Techno asks. Uh, who are you uh, both continuously inspired by past and present? I like talking techno history. So is there like uh, somebody from the past that still keeps you going? Like you always... I would I say mean, Jeff, Jeff Mills is Jeff Mills is probably Jeff one Mills. of them because he's just... He's the guy that like kept doing his thing mm-hmm. even from, what is that, 25, 30 years ago? And he's still doing his thing. And another guy for me is Luke Slater, man. Yeah. He's a legend. I, mean, I, I don't dude. know. David kind of just nailed... Nailed it right now. Those two are and pretty Mills. sublime. Yeah. I, I also got to give it to Speedy J and Robert oh, Hood. Dude, of course. Steve Rock. Oh, Robert Hood. Yeah. yeah. Speedy J, though, I mean, I mean, considering what he's done in the past, what is, I don't know what he's, he's been, been quiet lately, lately but he's you been know, quiet lately, which is, you know, any, whatever he comes back with is going to be insane. He needs so. to come back with some shit. You know, the thing is, is like for me, I've seen Jochen play a few times and it, he is just, absolutely melted my brain oh yeah of his dj sets where like he would just play tracks and just the way he mixed them the way he edited them the breakdowns he would do totally. the effects he would do i would sit there with my jaw like on the floor like what the fuck is this guy doing like just blew me away i still like i played bef- i played after him in czech republic in april or may and every time i see him I'm, i i have these tracks and i know that if you're a DJ that applies effects over the top, there's no way you can actually like isolate those certain sounds to mm-hmm. mix it. And he still is able to like remix these things on the fly. I'm like, well, how is that even possible? Because you have to have the physical parts, yet he still is able to do it. Yeah. And I don't know how he does it. I mean, I have some theories and I don't want to get nerdy about it right now, but <laughs> it's still pretty incredible, you know, yeah, like for sure. he's got his own thing going on. So yeah. 
Hats off to him. He was always a really big supporter of me and David from the very beginning big as well. Was, and yeah. like for us, I mean, for me at least, I'll say that was no, like for me too. It was like for me that was like it was like being starstruck, like in the beginning of our of our shit. Career I remember before. what it's like interface six year anniversary. He yeah. like played our bottle opener track, yeah, and I was yeah. just like. Holy shit. Yeah, we're just like, he's oh, playing shit. He's playing opener? our music, like, man. What the hell? <laughs> I never thought it was possible. Yeah, like, but then, insane. like, even after that, he's, he's always been a big supporter and has always kind of, like, was probably one of the first people, like, in the entire techno scene, like, even in Europe, to actually reach out a hand and help me out with yeah. stuff. So, Shit, he I released my record five years ago now. Yeah, I did a I'll remix tell you on what, that one. Some of those bigger guys, like, uh, you got Yoakum, Speedy J, Chris Lee being Anna Bear. Those are, well. like... Some of the biggest guys in the game, but they're also some of the nicest, yeah, uh, yeah, willing to support you. Got names. No, I got nothing yeah, Chris is an incredibly guys, good person, man. Incredibly. Um, Chris is the man, too. Gian Pietro asks, well, in proper English, when are we all three playing in Italy? I don't know, but that's a great idea. I'll be, in Italy. I'll be in Italy in a few weeks. I'll be in there this weekend, but... Uh, if anybody what's from Italy, Italy is Italy? listening, let me know uh, what's up. Yeah, we'll we all should, three we, come at the same time. We should all be playing gigs together more often regardless. I'm, I'm, playing, playing, I'm playing gigs with people I shouldn't be playing gigs <laughs> with sometimes. I would I'm really enjoy God. having my friends along. I'm telling you that right now. Dude, it makes all the difference when you have gigs with friends. Certainly. Dude. Even if the gig oh, yeah. sucks, you can still have fun. Yeah, dude. It's the best. You know, you show up and there's like, well, for me, there's guys that are playing like, way harder than the mo than the records that i have yeah. in my bag and i'm like not yeah. even that it's bad because i like some <clears throat> some beat and shit but i'm just like well i don't even know where to go from here and it's fun with your friends because not a, i think the crowd also gets it too you know like when you guys did your droid party last year in october obviously Absolutely. you know we were hanging that got out of hand real <laughs> yeah. quick but that it was, was so fun because awesome. we were just like we there was no pressure on like oh i have to deliver i have to be a headliner it's like it's all just friends hanging out and I, I think that translates once you start DJing too. Yeah, dude, definitely. You guys got any questions on the? You want me to on the old? I can go through Facebook some questions or Twitter. I got a lot of questions actually, but I don't know what should I. Um, should I ask the one about modular stuff for Mo? Sure. Because Mo is the modular master. Yeah. <laughs> it says Hardly. this guy from Mick. Should beginners getting into modular synthesis be aware that it could affect finishing tracks too much? I guess meaning you you get too caught up on experimenting with with sounds that Instead you won't finish anything. It. I guess that just he said he's heard mixed opinions on this. I think that all depends on the person. Yeah, I mean the thing is, is I think what a lot of people don't really understand is that. I think there. I think people are always trying to make too much of a definition of what, like, what good is buying a modular synthesizer can do. Like, some people are very practical about the instruments that they buy for their studio. Like, you know, they think too much. Like, making music for them is like about turning out progress and products constantly. Whereas other people who buy some instruments or synthesizers or whatever just like to experiment and have fun and just play with things and there's no like particular pressure to actually finish a song or something like that but i mean it all comes down to the person you know i think for me i find it difficult to use modular synthesizers to write music to like sit down and say hey i'm gonna write a track and then turn on the machine record some parts and then finish it i, I personally don't work that way more about jamming life. Yeah, yeah for me it's like it's better if i just like 
you know, set up like a clock sync. So it clocks to my, my DAW perfectly hit record and then just play with a bunch of different sounds for hours and record it. And then later just scrub through all that shit exactly. and cut out what's dope and throw away what's not and then finish tracks, you know? So maybe, maybe that comes from the same from, I mean, back in the hardware days, I, I didn't grow up using hardware. Yeah. I would assume it's the same thing. Yeah, it is. So I mean, you just I, jam out and take out what you like. There's no rules to do anything or anything. So oh, I think we're that's mine. Oh Jesus! Keep going. Oh. Okay, we're doing another shot here. Yeah, I don't think there's any rules for anything. You know, <laughs> I think if anybody was to tell that dude, oh, I don't want to buy modular synthesizer because I'm going to waste too much time playing with it instead of actually no, finishing music, silly. then I would just be like, well, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> I was like, why would you say something like that? It makes no sense to me, dude. Whether you finish tracks or not is completely up to you. It's up not to you about what the instrument is. You know? Well, but I mean, it is. I mean, it's a thing. A lot of people are not going to finish their tracks yeah. if they're messing around too much. But they probably wouldn't finish it either way if they're using software synthesizers or probably they're using not. a modular synthesizer. Here's a question for everyone mm? from uh, this guy named Dominic What's the secret to the perfect kick drum? I think David can start with that and then I'll no, follow up. No, but let's no. do the shot first. <laughs> Shout out who Dominic? Shout out to Dominic. Shouts to Dominic for the kick drum question. Holy Christ. <laughs> that was a terrible idea. That was a terrible idea. So what was the question again? <laughs> this is the greatest techno podcast, by the way. I guarantee you. I got it on my shorts. We're gonna go to. All our, right. We have a planned dinner in like a few hours, and we're gonna go there reeking of in alcohol. Ten minutes. <laughs> it's gonna be like what the I fuck know, is going on? I know this is gonna be a long podcast, but we're now there's three quarters of the bottle gone. Right. Holy crap! <laughs> How much was in this when we got this? It bottle? was full. <laughs> Shut the fuck! I up, literally Kelly. opened it when we got here. <laughs> this bottle's almost done. Yes. <laughs> that's ex- that's exactly what I'm talking about. And that's that's horrible. It's about friendship. <sighs> All right. Okay. What's the secret to the perfect kick drum? And go, Dustin. Well, it depends. Oh, fuck. My microphone. (laughs) (laughs) The podcast gets sloppier and sloppier as the bottle empties. But nobody's listening at this point because if they're listening, they're at their desk or they already quit their workout. So the only people that are still listening are either really nerds or they're so stoned they can't get up to turn it off. There you go. So here's the deal. Uh, Kick drums. The thing is, is... What I find, especially for a lot of amateur producers, is um, there's the kick drum and then there's the sub bass. If you want to have like a really stompy, booming kick drum, then it's got to focus more on the kick drum than the bass because there's the spectrum. Um, you're looking at zero to what, 120, is that what they say roughly is the mm-hmm. bass frequency? So, you know, everything's got to jive there. If you've got too much in one area, then it's going to get muddy. So, the secret to kick drums, if you want something stompy, you're not gonna have too much bass. It's gonna have a lot of uh, attack, more thump, yeah, attack rather than a snappiness. Um, maybe reverb, but that's you want to be careful of that because that can get to be too much. Mm-hmm. But um, and then if you want to do something more like uh, uh, what do you what do you want to call it? Like maybe the drum code sort of thing, like Alan Fitzpatrick or Adam Bear. Those are kick drums where they're kind of like your stereotypical 909 distorted short kick drums, but... Sidechain. Yeah, but then there's the sub bass that's really 
rolling yeah. and uh that's actually what you think you're hearing yeah you know so uh for me i mean i just you know my kicks are really powerful but i i tend to layer the shit out of them in machina or my drum machine whatever i'm using i mean generally since my stuff is more stompier than groovy these days i have a thumpier low end kick and then i take another kick drum which is snappy but i take the low end out of it so it has the best of both worlds yeah what about you dave I'm all about layering. I really believe in layering kick drums. Layer a punchy kick under a subby kick, under a mid-range, mid-low kick, compressing and distorting. And I don't mean distorting as in like distorting all to hell where it's just like a gabber kick drum, mm -hmm. but just like just a little bit of saturation. Crunch. Exactly. You use a distortion plug-in, saturate it a little bit and make it sound fat, roll off some crazy low end or some high end. And that's about it. But it's also important to where you can, if you have, let's say you're layering three different kick drums together, you got to find the right pitch of the kick drums that go together. You can't just throw four or three kick drums together and expect them to sound great. You have to mess with the pitch to where they all like kind of harmonize. Harmonize. Exactly. Thank you, Mo. That is key. A lot yeah. of guys throwing this like really crazy weird sub bass that just yeah doesn't it just fit. like it sounds rumbly and weird and it has this crazy long decay it's but able to operator or whatever it sounds great when you listen on headphones but when you listen on a sound system it's terrible because they have this crazy sub harmonics you're just like what the fuck's going on i don't know that's just me i like to keep it simple i agree there mo i'm still trying to master my my Mo's kick got drums. the kick drums, dude. You're <laughs> but the just... thing is, is the thing is, is that like I don't really play around in my music with a lot of bass lines, so to speak. And I tend to like design my kick drums from synthesis, so I'm using like a lot of musical. oscillators, musical, more musical. Yeah, it, it's usually I'm picking like an oscillator and I'm pitching it down to a certain point, and then like having an envelope on it so I can control the decay and sustain of that particular kick drum. And because oscillators usually don't have like the hardest punch, I usually layer just like a really like short decay punchy kick underneath it to give it that definition or something like that. So I don't know. Sometimes it sounds good and sometimes it sounds like shit. I think it's just a matter of whether I got lucky enough or not. I'm like, yeah, this kick drum's dope. I guess I got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> There's really no secret. It's just I think it's all about how you apply to every track there's yeah. real, i don't think there's any secret at least that's me all right anybody have got one another more, question i have one more question from our our boy andre morant Ooh. it's simple it says what's on your mix bus you. mine personally changes um i'm actually a strong advocate right now of uh the slate plugins oh the guy kind of gets a lot of shit because he's sort of alpha male and you know the the music industry, especially on the studio front, is not really like your alpha male kind of guy. So like, oh, this guy is, you know, some people think he's a douchebag. Some people think he's great. All I know is that, like, I paid uh, 150, 200 bucks for the virtual console collection. And that, you know, it's obviously not going to come close to a $40,000 API no, of course not. Uh, console. But for a hundred bucks, it does a damn good job. It makes everything. What it what a summing console does is it makes everything sound like it's actually coming like from the same together. place. Yeah. yeah, as opposed to like you know, this sounds like that's way over there, and this sounds like it's right here. Like it, 
makes everything seem more like in the family or something. And uh, that does a really great job. He just started some bundle where it's a subscription-based thing. Which yeah, I signed up for that. <laughs> did, have you tried it yet? Yes, I, it's amazing. Is it great? Yeah. I, I was going to try it this week. I've been kind of taking a couple weeks off from production. but uh, Because it uh, uh, depends on how many plugins you've bought from them. So mm-hmm. every plugin that you've paid for, they give you a free month. Yeah, a subscription. So I, yeah. I think I had like paid for three. Mm-hmm. So I have three free months, and after that, it's like it's not that bad. It's like ten bucks a month or something. Yeah, kind of Netflix. So I'm prices. like, it's, it's kind of worth it. But the, the shitty part is you can't own it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can. But the fact that matters but is you can once use the it track's and you done, can stop you can whenever you want. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, if you don't have much of a budget, I think it's a really good thing. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a free plugin they sell. You have to have an iLock. Yeah. It's called uh, Revival. Oh, that know. really thickens up the low end. It's also got the high end. It's got an oral exciter, so it makes it seem more bright, and that instantly gives my tracks uh, a better feel. So, what about you, Mo? What's on your mix bus? Just generally speaking, decapitator. That's yeah, a good one. I love that shit. Yeah, yes. from Sound Toys. Yep. Yeah, that one is pretty incredible. Um, I just recently picked up all the UAD stuff as Ooh, well. That's my shit. So UAD. the tape saturation plugins are awesome mm-hmm. as well. Um, I don't know. It just kind of varies and changes. I just try to change different things and see what it works with the best. I hear you. I um, I gave <coughs> tape saturation is kind of tough. You know, it mm-hmm. seems like no VSC plugin or UAD or whatever can really get it perfect. So oh, a lot for me, the best one is the Ampex tape plugin from yeah. UAD. That's yeah. totally. The shit. That's the one. That's my one, dude. Really? Yeah. Yes. Um, for me, my mix bus is it just kind of glues things together. It does, dude. It glues mm. them perfectly. Always have the Ampex, and I use the Fatso um, compressor mm-hmm. because that thing just like you can compress the shit out of something, and it doesn't sound overly compressed. If that makes any sense, doesn't seem snappy yeah. necessarily. And also, sometimes you use the Shadow Hills compressor from Shadow UAD Hills one's awesome too. It's the shit, dude. Totally. I love that thing, man. What was the Fatso compressor trying to uh, emulate? What was the original one? That's, it's the Fatso. It, and by Empirical Labs. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. the actual... The they, they funny is that emulated I... emulated the real hardware of yeah, it. Yeah. I remember I had asked Speedy J like more than 10 years ago, like, how do you get your kick drums to sound the way they that do? That Fatso is the and shit. And then he told yeah. me, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm using that, that, um, that, that particular compressor. And uh, I was always out of my... Uh, my price range but then once the the uad plugin came it out, sounds it's definitely awesome i've i mean i've listened to the audio s- examples mm-hmm. compared to the digital and the hardware yeah. it sounds almost identical yeah like these guys really did a really good job dude yeah yeah so for me it's the ampex shadow hills fatso and sometimes the fairchild compressor mm-hmm. from uad that's like i love those things dude Sounds Always like in my chain, UAD. and even decapitator for me. Yeah, decapitator. Not not necessarily on my mix bus, but in a group. Like if I'm grouping a kick drum with the bass with the bass line, I use the decapitator all the time. Yeah. Right on. Well, for those who are in the production, you got yeah. some tips there. There's like the one percent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's are we've lost. Everyone Everyone's just like right ah, everybody else is like about. tuning out. They're talking to their boss or whatever. Right Should now. we bring up some random shit? Well, we got to keep. Let it me let me see what I got here. Elvis asks, uh, "What other type of music are you listening to apart Elvis? from techno?" Yeah, uh, yeah, not guacamole. The, the guy's name is Elvis. Yeah, 
right. Well, you got something wrong with the name Elvis? No, that's a fucking <laughs> awesome name. I don't know anyone with the name Elvis. Well, it's a Facebook name, but let's assume it's real. Yeah. Let's hope it's real, because that's an awesome name. What was the question? <laughs> what do you listen to besides techno? Ooh. Who's going to go first? You. Me? I listen to everything. I listen to punk rock. (laughs) I like punk. Honestly, I listen to a lot of underground hip hop. I like listening to old punk music. I like listening to random boiler room podcasts that play everything from disco house to like funk. Mm -hmm. Stone's Throw podcast is like my shit, even though they're not that often anymore. But I like listening to everything, man. Like, if you go through my iPod, it wouldn't make any sense. Put it that way. <laughs> it wouldn't. It's probably good, though. It is. It uh-huh. wouldn't make any sense because you, you, I would have, like, bad brains and then, like, some random stone throw podcast. It's, like, jazz. It just wouldn't make any sense. But you know what? I've Over the years, I've learned to just listen to anything and get inspiration from anything. But the real question is, would you be embarrassed if someone, like, nope. a fan started going through your phone? No. Nope. I would not be embarrassed. I'd be fucking proud. Playlist that I would be embarrassed of. I have nothing to be embarrassed about. All right, fuck it. All right, here's a challenge. I don't have any. (laughs) Everybody, pull out your phones. What's the most embarrassing thing you could possibly find on your phone right now? I have nothing embarrassing. Okay. I know this is exciting for the first 15 seconds while you wait for us to dig, but dude, there's got to be something worth Uh, it here. The first thing that's popping up on my phone would be Smashing Pumpkins, but that's not really that embarrassing. Dude, I, no. got, I don't know, man. I have a Frankie Bones mix that I have on my I do got some Little Wayne on my phone. Oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> I think the game is over. Wait, is, it... <laughs> Wait, is Iggy Pop, is Iggy no, Pop embarrassing? No, Iggy Pop's not embarrassing. No. The jam? I don't know. You know, One time Lil Wayne did this beat and I thought it was sick. It was like some dirty South, like just straight. I have a video of you laying. Shit. I have a video of you, by the way. Of me doing what? You're laying in your hotel room and you're listening to Lil Wayne. You're talking about how it's a great song. <laughs> <laughs> you're like laying in bed and you're going, I was like, what the hell are you listening to? I was like, this is a cool song. <laughs> I was like, no, it's not. The dude's a fun. He's a fucking buster, in my opinion. But I, yeah. I, I don't know. It's some of their beats, I think it's pretty dope. So actually, I'm getting off lucky because the only thing on my phone right now is that new U2 album that I can't figure out how to get off. <laughs> that came out like a year ago. But otherwise, I mean, there would be worse stuff. But uh, what kind of music are you listening to in terrible. general? If it wasn't techno, I'll tell you what. All I know is I went to Berlin Atonal Festival this weekend, which was incredible, mm-hmm. and. Once the performance is done, I'm like, oh, fuck. This was like the craziest shit ever. I was so hyped up. I was loving it. And people were like, oh, yeah, it was okay. It was, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I, it just took the wind out of my sails. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I haven't seen that shit since I was a teenager. And they're like, yeah, it was cool, I guess, if you're into that kind of thing. And I'm just, I'm like, I guess the music I like really is terrible. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Either that or it's just not cool to be too enthusiastic about things. You know, well, that's just, probably yeah, more likely, but. Like, yeah, it was all right. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah, telling you what, I saw Petter Manafelt this week, and that was one of the shows of the week for me. Alessandro was good, Shackleton was good, but yeah. Petter just fucking destroyed it. So. Well, the one thing that I missed that I really wanted to see was Ben Frost. I missed that, too. I, I really was sitting outside, and out. uh, I don't know what I was doing, but well, I missed we, it. But I, hands down, I did not want to leave a tunnel at all without Synclock DVA, and I mean... It, they never come to the states, so it was yeah. like something that I have always wanted to see 
for as far as I can remember, and I finally saw it, and I was incredibly happy with it. What so. was the second track? I can't remember. That was the stuff of the new stuff. Though. Yeah, but that was fucking incredible. Really good. The, the even the visuals were insane. Yeah, it was awesome like, show. and I mean the whole performance was generally good. By that point, I was pretty fried. I yeah. just I'd been there for four days or whatever, and but um, yeah, I kind of wish that uh, they were on maybe like Thursday or something or yeah. Friday because that's what it should have been. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes people ask me like, "What is your favorite?" kind of music someone who doesn't know me or doesn't know that i like play dj and that, that is the most incredibly complicated question to ask somebody because i mean it's I, easy to say i like everything right yeah but then that also like sometimes when you talk to somebody who doesn't know shit about music and they have like absolutely no distinct style of stuff they like that's usually the answer they give you you're like so what kind of music do you like it's a cop-out answer i don't know i listen to everything <laughs> <laughs> just like what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. So when, when someone asks, when someone asks like, me like, well, what, what about R. Kelly? Well, I don't listen to R. Kelly, but <laughs> yeah. you know. But when someone asks me like, what kind of music you listen to? It's a very complicated question for me because I just don't know where to begin. Yeah. How like, much time do you have? Exactly, you know, because I think my my background in music kind of just like started off in so many different directions. And the one thing that I could say is that my my older brother once told me like, you don't really, you can't. You can't really understand where a particular style of music is going forward unless you have a really good understanding of its foundation and its history. And I took that to heart because everything that I really got into as a kid, like whether if I got into punk or I got into industrial music or whatever it was, I always spent a tremendous amount of time researching that history of that particular type of music and going back and trying to learn who inspired that person and who inspired that person before that and which labels were releasing this kind of record, which countries did they come from. So I think I, I spent a lot of time educating myself as much as possible about musical history and, and that expanded my taste and allowed me to like really understand so many different styles of music and I love it all. So it's really hard for me to pinpoint what my favorite music is, you know. Is there anything at the moment that you're kind of playing in your car all the time or there's a there's some stuff that i'm listening to i mean it's nothing any particular anything particularly new and it's not something that i just recently discovered but i've been digging really deep into the discography of house Arafna, which is a berlin-based industrial band that was doing this really loopy kind of lo-fi stuff like that and uh, they released a record and put out, I mean, they started a label and they released a bunch of other records from like groups like uh, Masca Genetic and I mean, tons of other stuff. And I've really, really been into that. And I think that stuff's been inspiring me musically in the direction that I've been going more recently as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, I have, um, I've been pretty boring. I haven't listened to a whole lot of newer well, even older stuff at the moment. Um, a lot of other podcasts and just spoken word and shit like that. But uh, yeah, to be honest, I, I really had to just kind of check out for the moment. Like I was really hitting the hitting it hard with techno music, trying to keep up with everything in house and whatnot. And mm -hmm. then finally, like the last two weeks in Berlin, I didn't tell anybody that I was back in Europe. I was laying low, reading books, playing games, just like biking, swimming, whatever, taking time for myself and. Uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I, I'm really into music, but for me, it was kind of like, all right, I need to disconnect from everything and kind of figure out what I want. Um, you know, it ranges. I mean, I, I like really obscure shit. Like, I was at Berlin and Tonal this week, and as yeah. I was telling you, I was getting into some weird stuff. But then I like really obvious kind of 
pop stuff too like i would say deftones or rage against the machine that's like certainly of course. yeah but um that's lately not so there's pop. nothing that's really well it's pop it was on mtv popular i call it music. pop it was <laughs> it's an, popular music it's not that was fucking an mtv Taylor Swift. in the 90s <laughs> <laughs> thanks I for pointing out dude. how old i am now no but i'm saying <laughs> like old like I woke pop up, in the 90s is different from pop now oh yeah big time but I, I woke know. up this morning. Yeah. I didn't even drink last night, and I felt hungover. Is that what getting old is like? <laughs> I don't is. know, man. It is. Certainly. Fuck. Definitely. Oh, well. Just getting worse, dude. Well, you know what else? It's Things are getting progressively more drunk, and we're getting a little bit loopy. So let's just take <laughs> one or two more questions and call it, because we're going to go to a dinner after this, and people are going to be like, what the hell happened right now? We should yeah. record that dinner. That'd probably be even more amazing. I'll bring the recorder. We got a little star. <laughs> there might be cast. some crazy. Yeah, we got some famous people at this dinner. Like the guy from uh, the bar. <laughs> Anybody got any? The guy from a band that starts with an N. And Ooh, ends in I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how to open up. And my ends Facebook in nails. Account. Oh, <laughs> is that bad? <laughs> what did you say right now? <laughs> it's no secret. <laughs> Let's see. What bands ends with nails? Okay, that's all I gotta say. Nine Inch Nails? Uh, uh, Alice in Chains ends with Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> uh, I don't know. How do you spend your time waiting in airports for hours while waiting to fly? Uh, well, I'm just well. gonna say I, I bitch a lot. Mm -hmm. And then if I'm super lucky, I have access to the lounge so I get free internet. And then I bitch online. I watch a lot of movies. Generally, I just that's, hang out in the lounge and drink. That's yeah. That's how I catch up on TV. Like I'm not a big TV person at home. I have a few shows that I'm I'm dedicated <clears> to, <throat> but generally, like if I'm clued into say like Breaking Bad or whatever is a cool new show at the moment, it's generally because I got a lot of time in the air. But uh, yeah, that's kind of what I do. And I always have books with me, and sometimes I am reading. Usually it starts off Friday, I'm reading, I'm in a good mood, but by Saturday morning, kind of haggard from the parties and tired, and I don't have the energy to read, so to I'm read, just watching like Yeah, like really pay dumb shows. into something. I'm watching The Brink right now, I think that's one of the best new comedies. <laughs> the Brink, I haven't seen that. Never seen it. Uh, the pilot's a little weird. It's it's basically the premise is they're trying to avoid World War Three. It's got Tim Robbins and Jack Black. I think Jack Black sucks, but he's great in the show. It's he's like his the best role. president or something, right? He's or... one of the aides of... Okay, like he's I've heard of the guy. show. I haven't seen Tim it. Tim Robbins is the yeah. Secretary of Defense okay. of the United States, and they're basically trying to avoid World War III with Pakistan. I heard that show's really good. It's, it's pretty fucking funny. <laughs> I mean, you got to be a liberal. If you're not a liberal, you're going to be hating oh, on it. I can it, watch but, this know. all day. All right. Yeah. I got, you know, I'll give it to you right now. You didn't hear that on the you microphone. You didn't hear that. You There's no sharing. Pirating at all. You should buy, buy my it. new record. It's out this week. It's by me and Emmanuel. We got a split release, Enemy versus Arts. We worked pay really for hard. Downloads. You know, we got to pay for our studio, so you know, do not pirate it. <laughs> I got a question from a friend of ours named Chad. He wants to know if we like space. Do you like space? As in space? Yeah. Space is horrible. <laughs> Why is there space? Why does space exist? Why does it exist if we can't explore it? I don't know, man. I mean, we're obviously exploring it, but like, there's nothing you can do in there. Right? Yeah. 
if you take off a spacesuit, you would explode. <laughs> Isn't that the whole premise of it? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> What's the whole point of space? It's a vacuum, man. It's a vacuum. Will you guys live stream any of the interfaces or any recordings also include video? I wish I could make it to ADE to experience one of those. Although, thanks for being awesome. Shout out to Octopharm. I'm really surprised that I was able to read that. Awesome. That was a really good reading. <laughs> That's we, will do, we will do live streamings as much as possible. We did the cell injection at Complex, That's which right. was pretty fucking awesome i think i don't think anybody was able to watch it i don't think the internet i think there was like 30 people that tuned in (laughs) (laughs) and that was at the height uh we will try if we get enough uh viewers david sometimes streams himself djing at his boxers in his living room yeah you can watch me streaming from my home in my boxers you can watch me spinning records or on CDJs, if that matters to you. Cheers. We should get Cheers. that going. And we're doing another shot of vodka. There you go. We're oh going Christ. in. We're going in. Jesus. This is a... Uh, Jesus. It's a good thing uh, we didn't go out last night, David. I'm glad I didn't go last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> How long have we been recording? <laughs> Keep record, it going, dude. The recorder stopped oh, 45 minutes stopped. ago. <laughs> no, nah, at this point, we're just drinking. This is actually a really cool podcast. I when I was taking so. a leak Thank right you. now, I was... I'm gonna, ref- I was having a, a moment of reflection in my I was. Bathroom? I was like, this is really interesting because who's doing this? As far as at techno people... At the moment, people, just me, but it'll blow up. No. That's what's going to happen. But here's the thing. What what other techno podcasts are like sitting with artists talking real shit? A lot and of not, And not just going, Will, I started off DJing in like this country. I've been listening to industrial music since yeah, I was five no. years well, old. I'm talking, you know what? Resident Advisor is, does a great job, but it's a little bit more academic. They focus on yeah, exactly. like, the no, history. No. And there's some We're talking, people where I kind of go through the history, but sometimes we... Are you going to get drunk history. on the air? This is no history. This, this is, is just... We're just... Drunk history. We're just <laughs> chatting. Yeah, dude. It's just like banter. It's hey, all You it know is. what, though? A lot, of, a lot of artists that are being interviewed don't want to be real. Fuck Well, them. that's the thing. I know for a fact... <laughs> that's fucking I whack. I know for a fact Why that can't they be real? There's going to be some Facebook or Twitter comments that are like, bring so-and-so on, and I'm like, that no. person's never going to be in a moment of... Uh, no, What's if you can't if you can't be on a interview and podcast and be real, then you're just whack. <laughs> <laughs> right? You first. Spoken by Truncate himself. Yes. I'm gonna put that shit on a fucking t shirt. <laughs> yes. Put it on a fucking t shirt. I'll sell that shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any any other questions? All right. <laughs> We're just getting silly. Seriously, why why are why are people so fucking god whack, dude? <laughs> 